Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag Free, whoever he is. Get your quad fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this, this is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international over depression. <laughs> Hey, why the fuck is the gas so hot, bitch? Out here in the fields, I fought for my meals. And I am filled with rage that we have to have another press conference to talk about our children being killed in their schools. And I would say that you either care about protecting kids or you don't. You either care about having an open, honest conversation about what is going on in our society or you don't. I don't need to be. There is no rationale for assault weapons and magazines that hold 50, 70 bullets. Ban assault weapons now. Ban them now. Got it done once. We're going to do it again. But anyway, I doubt it. You are fake news. I shot someone with a gun. Very fake news. You're a very, very silly person. Shut up, bitch. That's a big game, man. Are you trying to be funny? Fuck around and find out. All right, America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping Matt woke. Congratulations (laughs) to both of you. You're awesome. I I can't do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live! Fuck it! I'll write it and we'll do it live! Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show, frankly, the very best. You can ask anyone about that. People often do. I'm told this is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Blonde. Welcome. Hello. The rain is over. I learned by a select few of you who are the quickest with your email apps... When on Thursday morning, Queen Susan Wiki Wiki abruptly surrendered her throne, resigning from her role as YouTube CEO. Now, this is seemingly welcome news. However, uh, as I I have uh, learned frequently with these tech companies, be careful what you wish for. There's always always somebody worse. So, yeah, I know. Immediate background check on Neil Mahone. Is that how you say it? Mahan? Mahan? Mohan, I believe. He's been with YouTube working with Susan for eight years. So more of the same is the best that you can hope for. But we'll we'll go over Susan's big announcement. Plus, uh, a little bit before that, you called it. And I guess 4chan called it, too. But uh, that supposedly trans teacher in Ontario with the comically huge fake rack is, in fact, trolling. Or at least... That is the highly likely to be accurate speculation based on neighbor testimony saying the guy only wears the comically huge uh, rack when he goes to school to teach. Otherwise, he's just... Not exactly, but we'll talk. Oh, well, maybe I missed... He also skydives with the comically huge rack. Is that that the part I missed? It's some Instagram shots, and then he walks along busy streets back and forth. So that he can get some visibility and then just goes home and changes. So there's a little more showmanship, but in general, he's just a guy and he's doing some kind of maybe the most commitment, the greatest commitment to the bit we've ever seen. If, in fact, he's trying to bait 
getting fired so he can f- file some sort of discrimination lawsuit or something like that. He'd have to be really consistent to do that. It, all signs say that he has been. It looks like he's been teaching with the comically huge rack this whole time, right? I, I haven't seen any indicator, any indication that he's let up. Anyway, then we'll get to uh, the actually important news. FEMA is finally showing up with assistance in East Palestine, Ohio, after no, the, the uh, well, that's what they're saying. After the uh, the train derailment and uh, two weeks of everybody pointing fingers at each other. So now FEMA is showing up and surely that will put all of this to rest. Michigan lawmakers are working on yet more gun control after a guy shot up Michigan State University and the progressive prosecutor ignored the gun control that they already had that potentially could have stopped him before this tragedy occurred. Plus, we have Hoax Hate, and before we get out of here, tonight's movie review is The Last Samurai, so stick around. We will catch up with your super chats in between topics, of course. Ten bucks and up on the Sunday show, because we are no good lowdown money grabbers. It will be all this and more in your favorite couple hours of listening material. Remember, you can find everything show-related and support the show for as little as a buck a month over on the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com. We also have show merchandise for sale over on the website. Plus, we have offers from friendly listener-owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends at Hero Soap Company. Do you love freedom? Do you love being clean? Then you'll love Hero Soap Company, made in the USA. Chemical and fragrance-free. A portion of each purchase donated to veteran and first responder charities. Initial subscription purchase is matched bar for bar and sent overseas to deploy troops. Let freedom clean. Hero Soap Company. That's right. When you try Hero Soap Company, not only are you getting a great smelling all natural product, not only are you supporting military service members at home and abroad, not only do bald eagles circle you in admiration of your patriotism, but... When you subscribe, Hero will send their soap straight to your door each month, so you never have to remember soap at the store again. And if you're not a bar soap person, no problem. Hero also offers their soaps in a liquid form as well. Hero Soap offers listeners of the show 10% off all their products using promo code MCLISTENER. That's promo code MCLISTENER for 10% off everything from Hero Soap Company. Find everything you need from Hero Soap, plus other great deals from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses, including Western Razor Company, Sonoran Defense Technologies, Phoenix Ammunition, and more. That's at mattchristensenmedia.com slash deals. Deals by listeners for listeners. couple of announcements. Uh, the call-in show does return on Wednesday. We had a week break because I had a... Uh, a family matter to tend to this week, but we will be back on Wednesday, the 22nd as usual, 9 PM Eastern time. And speaking of being off on Wednesday, the, uh, well, I had to, I had to deal with, uh, or I had to, uh, tend to a family matter, as I mentioned, but this family matter brought me to San Francisco and not yeah. all that far away from the home of Nancy Pelosi. Yes, the uh, the site of the famed hammer attack in October. So I thought, well, you know, I'm I'm within walking range of this place. I thought, you know, I, I looked at the map. First of all, I had to scour the Internet a little bit to find the address because it's not exactly well publicized. Not anymore. 
And then when I did find it, I plugged it into Google Maps to confirm and it was all blurred out. So I thought, yes, that's it. That's 100% confirmed her address because you can't see the house on Google Maps. So then I looked at the the map and it's like a mile and change away from away from where I am. Like, all right, cool. I can get there pretty easily. So we go for a morning walk and I forget how damn hilly that city is. And this place is at first of all, basically, it's only security is that it's on top of the highest hill in the city. If so not all the, the people that would try to get there would just be like, oh, fuck it, don't kill Nancy Pelosi later. <laughs> it's not worth the effort. OK, Mount Everest is comparable, I would think. No, I don't know. It's it's not that bad, but it is it is a castle on top of certainly one of the highest points in the city. So I get up there and uh, it, it wasn't uh, weird hours or anything. This was probably like eight in the morning. We, we went uh, early in the day, but not extremely early. And the place is surrounded by unmarked cop cars. There's one yeah. circling the block. And I can he's got his window rolled down so I can see a police patch on his sleeve. I don't know if it's SFPD. I don't know if it's Capitol Police in the photo behind me. That black car that you can see poking out behind the sign. That yeah, is yeah. also an unmarked police car. So there were several really? parked on street side. And then there's at least one guy circling the block. So obviously I was not going to. Um, to press the issue and step onto the property itself. But on the right side of the building behind me there, that's the door. That's the hammer attack door. And then on the, the side of the, the, the back side of the building <laughs> opposite where I'm standing in this photo around the corner there, that's the door where he hammered through. And it's not like I learned a bunch by looking at this other than confirming to myself. Yeah. You <laughs> there's other than the, the police who are there now, yeah. you can just walk right onto this property. There's no physical obstruction whatsoever, but for these Capitol police or SFPD or whoever they are watching the property. Now you can see that kind of row that, that walkway behind me between the hedges, just stroll right in there and walk right up to the hammer door. So really I found this place to be just shockingly without security in general. You can see the cameras, but I expected there'd be like a gate or some obstruction or even now you say, yeah, of course, uh, Susan or Neil, whoever's listening, I'm not encouraging anyone to violate the property rights of the Pelosi's. You shouldn't do that. I just wanted to see how realistic it would be for some San Francisco psychopath to genuinely walk onto the, the property and start hammering away as we are supposed to believe happened. Extremely based, realistic is what you're saying. Based on my assessment of the uh, of the area, yeah, uh, I I do believe if the story is as presented that he's just a crazy drug addict guy with a hammer, he just walked onto the property. Without those cops there, it seems like it'd be very easy to do. So the question: Wow, we were all so wrong about this. Well, the only question that lingers for me is: the Pelosi's have to be aware of this. I get it's yeah. a very nice neighborhood in the city. All of these homes are worth 10 plus million dollars, I'm sure. Uh, just on, even if you're not the Pelosi's, you have a lot to protect and there's a lot of drug addicted psychopaths in your city. That's true. I'm just surprised there's no, there's not even a gate to go through. I don't even have to hop a fence to get to mm -hmm. that door. So they need more physical security is what you're saying. Or just, uh, how do they not have, with all that, um, with all that insider trading money, how do they not pay a guy to be sitting outside in the, Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that's what that guy in this car is doing. Maybe I'm mistaken. Yeah, he's private yeah, really. security, not a police officer. Whatever he is, he's standing guard now. The most shocking thing about that is that he got hammered way worse than I thought he did. Like, how did he even survive that? It, 
Well, the, the, the footage, you, you don't see the moment of impact in it. But yeah, I mean, it, it looks like a good solid swing. So it's probably been dead for a while. And we're just talking. They just uh, they they eat all those uh, blended babies. That's how they That's stay right. so fresh in their elder years. Oh, anyway, yeah. Nancy so, Pelosi. So fresh. <laughs> well, for an 80 plus year old woman, I've seen worse. That's true. You know, everyone okay. heard it here. You would totally do it. To I, 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 hey, I saw the Italian. Be- the only ones I've seen bigger are from the big T teacher that we'll get to yeah. in a moment. Nancy Pelosi's boobs on the Italian beach. Uh, hard to forget. Fluffy old lady titties right there. All right. Speaking of um, speaking of giant balloons where we left off last week. Hey, let me see if I can get the story up here. Hold on. Uh, last we left the story last weekend, U.S. forces had shot down at least three UFOs, unidentified flying objects over Alaska, the Yukon Territory and Lake Huron. Uh, this, of course, um, the week after the Chinese spy balloon the week prior. Now, it was reported that the Alaskan and Canadian UFOs were believed to be smaller, less sophisticated balloons, but we didn't have confirmation of exactly what they were. Well, now we may have the answer for at least the Alaskan UFO, or maybe it was the Yukon Territory UFO. I'm not even sure which one, but one of those up in the Alaska Yukon Territory area, the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. Which is an what amateur? The hell is that? An amateur balloon club. They're saying that it that well the Air Force shot down might have been one of their uh, so-called Pico balloons. Now, if I understand correctly, these guys just attach computer chips or other communication devices to small balloons, like thirty-two inch balloons, something not that far off from the cheap balloons you get at the grocery store to say congratulations on having your baby or whatever else. Now, in this case, Pico Balloon K9YO last communicated with their systems on February 11th over a remote island in southwestern Alaska. Of course, that would be the same day that the U.S. military shot down an unidentified object in kind of the same region. But what I don't understand is the report from last weekend said the Alaskan object was shot down near Uh, over northern Alaska, some 1,400 miles away from the last known ping on this particular Pico balloon. It's also possible that they're referring to the balloon that ended up going over the Yukon Territory and was shot down over Canada. I don't know how frequently these balloons transmit information or how quickly they travel. So maybe I'm just mistaken on the specifics or the locations here. It's not confirmed that the U.S. military shot down one of these like twelve dollar grocery store balloons. With but it a, sure sounds like it, doesn't it? With a computer chip, it's a plausible explanation. And just to be clear, if that happened, they used a four hundred thousand dollar Sidewinder missile. In fact, reports say they used two because they missed the first time. So close to a million dollars spent in missiles to shoot down a twelve dollar grocery store balloon. And if you're curious, will we ever get confirmation of this? Well, uh, this morning, uh, National Security Advisor John Kirby said, we don't actually know what these balloons were, and we may never know. We have now formally called off the recovery search for the UFOs over Lake Huron and Alaska. Perhaps we may still find the remnants of the grocery store balloon uh, balloon over the Yukon, but I doubt it. So uh, if that's actually what happened, though, obviously I'm... uh, not in favor of shooting down grocery store balloons with half million dollar missiles. But if that, this was a, like a three foot sphere 
and they used one of these missiles to shoot it down. That's pretty good. That's pretty good accuracy, even if you miss the first time. That's your takeaway from this? I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying, wow, that's that's kind of cool. <sighs> that's not that's not bad. It's not bad target practice, I guess, even if it is a tremendous waste of our money. I had a bad um, take about this before, I think. What? I don't know. You know, I was like, maybe it is China. It is Chinese spying. I think all of this is bullshit. And it's just a way for them to make us live in fear. The real story is our infrastructure crumbling, which we're going to talk about. I think this was all a big nothing burger. Doesn't matter. I think that looking back, uh, the most plausible explanation is exactly what we're watching, which is a Biden administration overreaction to harsh criticism for not shooting down the Chinese balloon. So they scoured the airspace for anything for that could yeah. plausibly be viewed as a threat and started shooting half a million dollar missiles at it. Okay. And now look how brave and vigilant they are against foreign threats, even if it's just grocery store balloons from Illinois <laughs> that have been up there for a while. But anyway, I don't think the alien psyop is on just yet, but I'm still not eliminating the possibility that we're headed toward an alien psyop. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Wow, that's the thing that comes in 2023. Nice. We're like, what kind of virus it's going to be? No, it's fucking aliens. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, recall the case of uh, Buffalo Bills safety, Damore Hamlin, who infamously collapsed on the field of play in an NFL game in January. Screw this guy. God, he had a real opportunity to, to take a stand here. Well, uh, you're not going to get any... Uh... You're not going to get a nice birthday gift from all the money that DeMar Hamlin has collected not to say anything. Yeah. Recall, you were a uh, misinformation peddling conspiracy theorist if you questioned if what we saw in the field had anything to do with a particular injection. Now, of course, everyone insisted that what we saw was obviously commotio cordis, or however you even pronounce it, a term that everybody learned five seconds after they immediately Googled it to learn what it is and suddenly became experts in it. Don't you know if you get hit just the right way in just the right spot during the exact right time in the heart's rhythm that the heart can stop, even though that's an extremely rare thing that happens pretty much exclusively to young males, as in like early teens and younger, not in adult professional athletes. Well, Damar, Damar Hamlin uh, did an interview with Michael Strahan on Good Morning America this week to clear up all the speculation and confusion. And Strahan actually asked him directly, what do doctors say happened to you? And Hamlin, after thinking about it, declined to answer. And no, I did not edit this in any way. This is how ABC News presented it. The pause was actually this long. You're 24. Peak physical condition. Could run circles around me right now. <laughs> <laughs> how did doctors describe what happened to you? Um, um, I saw my one stay away from. Okay. Dude, what a pussy. Well, unless this was like cocaine induced, but I'm sure it wasn't. I guess uh, I appreciate the direct question, but I really wish Michael Strahan would have followed up with the obvious uh, why. Why is that why? something that you yeah. want to stay away from? Yeah. Not answering in many ways is answering. Uh, if they had a clear way to say it's not the injection, they would say that. If it yeah. clearly was commotio cordis and they, they could would prove say that, that too. they would. Yeah. 
since they can't, I'm going to speculate that DeMar Hamlin has been paid money above and beyond his handsome NFL salary to shut the hell up. And um, maybe he was like in whatever NDA he signed. He's like, I'm not going to say anything about it, but I'm also not going to lie. Yeah, maybe. And because so from you what just I say heard nothing. about this guy, he seemed like he was an honest upfront guy. He might be. I don't, I don't know anything about him other than what happened on the field. I never heard his name before until that game a month and change ago. Mm. So I don't know. I just, I, I have to believe that if you're going to grant this interview, you, you kind of expect that question is coming at you, but he thought about it forever. And I'm, I just don't believe that medical privacy <laughs> is what's on his mind right there. I think what's on his mind mm, is no. a conflict between, I know some is a conflict stirring in his head. I know something that I'm not allowed to say for contractual reasons, for some reason that I can't breach. That's yeah. what that strikes me as. Me too. Yeah. But, uh, disappointing, disappointing. Congratulations really help on the, on the payday. If that's what happened. <sighs> anyway, if he comes after me for defamation, for saying that he got paid to shut the hell up, I invite the proof. Otherwise that he did not <laughs> go ahead. Prove me wrong. Prove, prove it with the commotio <laughs> cordis. Prove it with the, you know, that, that you have something else in your mind. Anyway, <laughs> I, I doubt there'll be an update, but uh, I will circle back if there is. Um, speaking of direct questions, this week an Arkansas lawmaker got about as direct as uh, one can possibly get during a hearing about a bill to prohibit <laughs> transgender surgeries and puberty blockers and hormones for minors within the state. <sighs> when a transgender pharmacist was testifying, Senator Matt McKee asked him directly, do you have a penis? Uh, that was to the outrage of many in attendance. You said that you're a trans woman. A trans female, yes, ma'am, sir. Do you have a penis? That's horrible. Yeah. You're the one. You're the one that brought that into the discussion. You're the one I never said anything about genitalia. Oh, it is has everything to do okay. with genitalia. I don't know Audio. what my rights are Audio. right now. I'm a healthcare professional, a doctor. Please treat me as such. <laughs> Next question, please. Senator McKee, that you asked my friend if she had a penis, and I would just like to tell you that even if you have a penis, it doesn't mean that you have honor or that you're a man. What? I mean, it kind of Okay, does. whenever a tranny is talking, all I'm thinking is, what's what's going on downstairs? <sighs> Like what, what kind of hack job situation do they have? Does this have, does this person have a penis? Yeah. Right on the nose. It's what everybody's thinking all the time when trainees tra are talking. I would say in this case, refusal to answer is also confirmation that this guy has a big swimming dick <laughs> or uh, maybe the hormones have turned it into a little smoky, but it, it's either, do you have a dick or what kind of dick do you have? I, I yeah. agree. Inquiring minds want to know. They do. Yeah. Now, uh, this point, though, having a penis does that make you does that give you honor or make you a man? Whatever she said. Well, I, I agree that that's not the definition of honor, but it is kind of the definition, the definition of, of man. Of, yeah. We might say that a good man has certain characteristics, uh, attributes beyond just having a penis. But having a penis is like bullet point one. All right. Stay so. with me on this one. I'm starting to think this whole tranny thing is just a Trojan horse for a larger issue that they're going to try to push through or maybe have already started to push through, like the infrastructure crumbling. Because we can all agree that this tranny thing is fucking crazy. Like, well, it, 
it is highly destructive in many ways. If you want to get uh, I mean, the, the classic tinfoil and all of this is if you want to deconstruct or destroy the family, you start meddling with the distinctions between men and women and the union of men and women. And once you've thrown that into chaos, you've destroyed the family as the building block of society and or at least heavily damaged it. And once you have all of these heavily yeah. damaged people alienated, alienated from, separated from their families uh, or discouraging them to start families of their own, then you get all sorts of chaos. And if chaos is what you want, this is a great way to to create it, meddling with the nature but this of men is and women. Not, this is not really what they've done. The tranny thing, it's just so obvious, especially the transitioning children thing. I don't think that this is central to their mission because the tranny thing doesn't do nearly as much destruction as um, making normal everyday uh, men like total pussies. That's way more destructive on a societal level. I guess level. this is a piece of that, maybe. It's not all of but it. It's but it's a, a small piece of it. And yeah. this isn't how the left works. Like for the last few decades, they've been so subversive. Like they just slid in there in the curriculum and stuff. Um, but the tranny thing, it's so obvious. Like, what? what is it? Maybe they're just what seeing what they the can thing? get away with. I don't know. Uh, mm. If you're curious, the Arkansas Senate Judiciary Committee did advance the bill. It now goes to the full Senate, where it could be on its way to become law soon. Both chambers of the state legislature have Republican supermajorities, and uh, Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders was sworn in last month, though I have mm. not seen uh, any commentary from her on this particular bill. You may have missed this week that uh, ancient uh, dinosaur senator Dianne Feinstein will not seek re-election to the Senate in 2024 to be the senator from the very senior senator from California. She is currently 89, meaning she will finally quit at the age of 91 and a half in January 2025, assuming she doesn't die before then. Now, if it's news to you that she's finally leaving the Senate, it is also news to her and the mind that she lost many years ago now. Feinstein's office put out a statement on Tuesday announcing the retirement, and uh, later in the day, reporters asked the senator for her thoughts about moving on, and she said, quote, I haven't made that decision. I haven't released anything. A staffer then corrected her and said the statement had in fact been released. Feinstein responded, quote, well, I didn't know they put it out. (laughs) Not that... uh, That Feinstein's senile old brain isn't the most plausible explanation for the confusion here. But once again, you have to wonder who is actually making the decisions for the decrepit senile people we have in office. uh, Currently, Representatives Adam Schiff and Katie Porter have announced uh, their campaigns to try to claim this Senate seat from California. It is, of course, uh, just a question of what Democrat can beat the other ones in the primary since the state uh, will never consider any alternative to its own continued decline. Speaking of senators in uh, poor health or poor condition, John Fetterman, he was out of the yeah. hospital for like a couple days at least. Yeah, yeah. So he he uh, got pretty dizzy, you know, lightheaded right. is what they're saying. And so he's like, oh, no. What if me being dizzy for a second means I had another stroke? This is totally not what happened. So he went to Walter Reed or something and they were like, all your scans are clear. And then he went home and everything was fine. But now he's going to be treated at Walter Reed for a few weeks for clinical depression because he hasn't been honest about the nature of his mental health issues. I'm pretty sure he had just had a massive stroke again. 
His staff says they don't even know. They they didn't know. He was so quiet. They didn't know if he was just strokey or if he was yeah. really sad. They just couldn't tell. Did you also know that he had a extremely advanced heart disease? He didn't tell anybody that on the campaign trail. Uh, I could tell that by looking at him. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's just like you look at him and you're like, there is something wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, of course he had a stroke. Like how do all the veins and blood vessels work from like his giant body to his tiny head? <laughs> One day his head's just going to explode. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating that uh, claim about the staffer is according to NBC reporter Dasha Burns. Yeah. Yeah, she go. said uh, a senior staffer tells me the staff thought it was hard at times to tell if Fetterman is not hearing them or is sort of crippled by his depression and social anxiety. We don't know if he's physically ill or mentally ill. We just carry on. If if you have personality changes from a massive stroke, you don't it's not clinical depression per se. Right. I've seen all the news reports throughout through the week. Oh, the link between strokes and depression. I don't know. Is that a thing? Uh, you consult a medical professional. I don't know if that's if they as with anything else, anytime, anytime someone like John Fetterman has a medical episode, suddenly there'll be all kinds of news reports about how actually this is very normal. You just don't see it. With I don't your know. Own I, eyes very much. I reject this characterization. If you get kicked in the head by a horse and then you can't read anymore. It's not like you've developed dyslexia or something. <laughs> the link. Like you just have yeah. TBI. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's going to be uh, hospitalized for a few weeks. Uh, so who is your senator from Pennsylvania in the meantime? Nobody knows. Who is your senator from Pennsylvania all the time? Nobody knows. Questions for me. <laughs> yeah, really. Okay. Uh, well, the um, the big, what, what was the official name? Big titty tranny teacher. Was that it? There was some. That's not very good. Did that come from our show? I, we had an official name. I'm going with big titty tranny teacher. In Ontario, this is outside of Toronto somewhere. The big titty tranny teacher back from September, whenever this story broke. uh, I would remind you of the story, but of course, if you just seeing the image, you'll remember this person. If you were paying attention to news at the time, it now seems apparent that this person is trolling, that this is a bit by a normal guy for some kind of internal uh, internal dispute reasons at work or something (laughs) like that. Well, I think that that 4chan post that we read a long time ago from a kid that was supposedly in his class was true because he was dropping red pills all over his class and then he got in trouble with the administration. That's unconfirmed. I read that on 4chan. However, this guy's uh, neighbor in his apartment complex says he really only wears the prosthetics going to and from school. And then periodically he'll take his dog for a walk with like nothing on his person and just walk up and down the busiest road. <laughs> oh, in the big house. in the big titty in costume. Big titty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this picture of him without his titties on is so funny. He's just a normal looking middle aged guy. I know. He's like, just leave me alone. Um. Anyway, I saw this picture. Do you have the New York Post article? Up? Yeah. I saw this picture of him skydiving and I'm not even joking. I laughed like yeah, I didn't see that because it was at the bottom of the article. But what the hell is this about? He went skydiving in the big titty costume. Yeah, because I, I think he, what he's doing is he's like trying to create uh, uh, this this tranny life where he does stuff in the tranny costume. But he doesn't actually want to do that. And so he's doing like high profile stuff wearing the titties, like walking so that he's seen 
taking pictures that he can probably put on social media, like right. plausible <laughs> like deniability for the lawsuit that he's trying to bait or whatever it is that he's doing here. I love this guy. This is so great. This is so based. This is what we need to do to bankrupt schools and universities. Like people doing stuff like this, this on the ground trolling stuff is just it's chef's kiss. Good for this guy. The problem with this though, is that he's never going to give up the bit. Because he can't like, I don't even think he can if he wins a discrimination lawsuit. Well, he's so he's so in it now that if he actually depends on having some discrimination claim against the school. Yeah, if if his job is indeed in jeopardy and he has to win that, he can't give up the bit because the bit is the key to his discrimination claim. Yeah, so he's exactly he's kind of in it now if that's what's happening here. There's no going back. I love the caption on this skydiving photo, at least in the aircraft. The teacher reportedly lost the wig while skydiving. I hope <laughs> I hope he was able to get a new one or perhaps maybe the uh, the team's searching for um, balloon debris will be able to yeah, find yeah. the wig as well. But there is no evidence that he lives his life as a woman or anything like that. He's he's not a gay male uh, and he's not a pedophile. He's never done anything to students. This this seems like it is totally isolated. Um to to his job and uh this prosthetic that he's wearing it's like the kind it, it's su- such a joke it's so over the top you know he's clearly trying to make some kind of statement i think he's just an average guy did you yeah. see this other picture of him in crutches i had never seen this before either and i don't <laughs> know what this is about <laughs> he hurt his foot doing something uh, i yeah. wonder if maybe there's like a disability angle that he's working <laughs> I know he's like a shop teacher, right? Maybe it's a genuine injury for all I know. Maybe like know. some, maybe he got injured in the shop or something else. Maybe but, those uh, are some of the club balloons that we shot. Down. This, this photo that was famous at the time always cracks me up, not just because of the giant tees, <laughs> but the one in the shop where the saw is right there. Cause it's it looks so like the saw is just ready to <laughs> hack away. Right. Anyway. Okay. Dedicated trolling. I, I just really appreciate it. Well, that makes it make sense. And that also is, is a relief because whenever we see stories like this, that seem so just too outrageous to be believed and then become demonstrated as real or true or accurate. It's discouraging. This is at least one case where I'm, I'm comfortable believing this is not in fact a serious person. This is a guy doing a bit and that's easier to deal with. And I'm happy that I never fell for it. I'm proud of myself. I was like, this is too far. People on the right were flipping shit. They were like, this guy's a pedophile and blah, blah, blah. It's like, uh, no, I mean, sometimes we, the left does stuff kind of like this, but sometimes you have to look at it and be like, this doesn't ring true. (laughs) Well, even if he's not uh, sincere in what he's doing, I think it is fair to say the degree to which he's going over the top with the nipples and the sexual display could be considered at some level kind of adjacent to that like you are still presenting the kids in school with an overtly sexualized display even if you're doing it tongue-in-cheek even if you're doing it sarcastically and maybe that's deserving of some criticism i should go back to listen to what we said at the time i don't think that we were i think we were skeptical but i don't remember exactly what i said i don't know if i bought this Uh, i was definitely skeptical i'm seeing in the live chat that he's a pedophile because he was wearing this around kids no he teaches like a senior class shop or something it's it's high school but i do think it, it is fair to say that even if he's not sincere in what he's doing like i said it's 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 a sexualized presentation to kids Deliberately, even though. if it's quote unquote for the right reasons now don't misunderstand what i'm saying there what i'm saying is he's not doing it 
out of a sincere belief in the legitimacy of his own sexuality. He's doing it to try to defeat what he views as sexual perversion within all sorts of social institutions, the school included. I think the debate is just to what degree can you use that as a tool to make your point without actually <clears throat> engaging in it yourself. That's the debate. Well, I think guy. that he, he doesn't teach young children. The older, the youngest person in his class is going to be like 15, right? And it's going to, well, it's almost all male. If, if my son was 15 and going to this class, I'd be pissed. Even if the guy is joking, I, I, that's just, but what if your son is like a, a, a zoomer, that wants to destroy these kinds of things and knows he's full of shit, like a self-aware zoomer. I would still prefer not. However, but maybe the counter is, uh, someone's got to do it. Well, if you want to eliminate the risk of the actually serious tranny stuff, infiltrating the school, you have to blow all this up. So even though you might be uncomfortable with this, you have to recognize the bigger picture here and what it stands to defeat. Maybe that's the route you go, but uh, yeah, count, count me among the parents who would have concern either way. If this was going on at uh, my yeah, school. I probably would too, but I don't think that any 16 year old boy is going to look at this and be like, I want to fuck this. Situation. God, my teacher is so hot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hopefully not. But <laughs> things are weird these days. So who knows? All right. You ready to talk Susan? I guess so. In a uh, a shocking departure that honestly took me completely by surprise. I I didn't see this one coming. Queen Susan WikiWiki is leaving her YouTube throne. She is resigning effective immediately. In fact, her replacement is listed on Wikipedia right now as the YouTube CEO. So she is formal uh, formally out, though she's sticking around to help with the uh, the transition and um, and some other advisory things as she leaves. Now, before we get to the details. As one listener correctly reminded me, I might have forgotten otherwise. Uh, we must honor Susan with a proper I will remember you send off. So here is Susan's career highlight from 2019, bragging to CBS reporter Leslie Stahl about just how good of a censor she's become. I, will I can only imagine when you became CEO Ugh. of YouTube that you thought, oh, this is going to be so fun. It's <laughs> people are uploading wonderful things like funny cat funny. videos. How fast did you remove it? Very fast. For every area, we work with experts and we know all the hand signals, the messaging, the flags, <laughs> the songs. <laughs> We're removing content that violates our policies. We removed just in the last quarter, 9 million videos. Wow. So my God, I wish I, I did not know that there was a still with Leslie Stahl and Susan wiki wiki in front of a computer with a picture of Hitler. They were it. watching a Hitler video. Uh, first of all, congratulations to Susan on the deletion of tens of millions of videos during your tenure. Uh, that's gotta be a record. Nobody's deleted more videos from the internet than Susan. And it's unlikely that anybody will, at least anytime soon. Now, the context for that uh, interview there. Yeah, th th that segment is hilarious. I wish I had the whole thing to play for you right now, but I will link it in the uh, the show notes if you guys want to check that out and, and take a trip down memory lane to reminisce. Because the context there is Susan and Leslie Stahl are watching a Hitler speech and Susan is explaining to her. OK, Susan plays a video of pow's being abused like prisoners getting kicked in the face and borderline tortured that susan allows to stay up 
because the person who posted it is some like anti-abuse advocacy organization. Then she plays a Hitler speech and and uh, Leslie Stahl says, well, this looks like something you'd see on History Channel anytime you you deleted it, though. Why? And Susan says, well, because, look, it was posted by an account called something 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 1418. And she said 1418 was a Nazi reference. And I'm, I'm pretty sure she means 1488. I've scoured yeah. the Internet for f- people. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is is the experts in our chat is 1418. Some I've never kind, seen that. 1488, I get. She, they were no, saying 1418 is a is a. There, no, that's retarded. No, it's because Susan and Leslie Stahl or Susan, you know, Le- Leslie Stahl was thinking and Susan, I'm sure, was thinking like people can't find out. We have to delete all of these. Videos. But the point was like, it's not the Hitler video that's bannable. It depends on who posts it, who posts which, it, which is, is not a preposterous. Even true. Yeah, it's yeah, you're right. It's probably not even true. But even taken at face value, that is an, a ridiculous standard. You're telling me this guy over here can post a Hitler speech because he's doing it for the right reasons, quote unquote. But if you determine that he's a guy who likes Hitler too much, according to you, then he can't post it because he has bad motives or something. How much is too much? What is the threshold of liking Hitler? Yeah, that's a good what question. What if you like Hitler's art? Exactly. Is that too much? What if you think he had uh, excellent style in dress or you know, was a yeah. forward thinker in, in mustache fashion? Right. Something or what like if that. you hate his guts because you didn't think he went far enough? <laughs> What do you do about Hitler that person? Hitler was a real pussy, but I'm going to post this video anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what about that, Susan? All right. Um, the, uh, back to the point, the letter from Susan, it, she sent it to YouTube uh, employees on Thursday morning and and uh, it was then made public. Susan a- announced she's leaving the company effective immediately after nearly 25 years with Google and YouTube. She was previously with Google. Google bought YouTube at her recommendation in 2006. Susan then became YouTube CEO in February 2014, where she has been since. Susan says she wants to focus on family health and personal projects about which she is passionate. Susan says YouTube's chief product officer, Neil Mohan, will replace her. Mohan has been in that role with YouTube since 2015. I don't know much about this guy, but uh, considering both he and Susan have been in uh, executive leadership together since about the same time, 2014, 2015. I'm going to speculate that more of the same is the best hope in this replacement. And uh, I won't see, I won't be surprised to see new leadership. Think of uh, new and creative ways to censor and kill the product more. Uh, Susan does offer some insight into what we can expect from this new guy here. She highlights his leadership in the development of what I would say is is a lot of the corporatization or whatever word you might use to say to explain how YouTube has increasingly promoted and accommodated mainstream or legacy media at the expense of independent creators. So this guy was behind the development of YouTube TV, which of course is is what it's cable TV on YouTube. YouTube Music, which I don't have any hate for YouTube Music, but that's you know that's mostly the business of giant record labels that are the uh, MTV of yesteryear. This guy is not all about developing independent shows like this one. He's about yeah. you know making YouTube the new cable, even <clears> though the <throat> reason that people went to YouTube is to get away from cable. 
So yeah, yeah. it's going to be more of the same. I was somehow kind of optimistic about it because I was like, it can't possibly be worse. But the JJ has taught me that Indians can be huge commies too in tech. <laughs> the JJ standard. All right. Um, yeah. Most discouragingly, though, he led their trust and safety team. And that, that Ooh, tells me a lot well, of what I like, screwed. This guy had a major role in a lot of the censorship decisions. So I'm not going to expect oh, no. much improvement <clears throat> here. And Susan says in uh, in this uh, letter here that she's very excited about the promises of AI in future development. So I can't wait until chat GPT is in charge of you know, writing my videos or writing the uh, notes for this show. It's going to get way better. Oh, Susan will continue in an advisory uh, or consulting role with Google and YouTube. And just a reminder. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, whatever. Uh, that's probably mostly what she did on a day-to-day basis anyway, advising and consulting rather than hitting the delete key herself, I'm sure. Yeah. But just a reminder about how Susan came to power. She just happened to be short on money in the late 90s and rented out her garage in Menlo Park, California to then college students Larry Page and Sergey Brin, who used the garage space as an office to found Google. So Susan, why does this story sound so familiar? Why does it remind me of Christine Blasey Ford for some reason? Uh, well, she's from the area. Does she have a connection to that somehow? No, she rented her. Le- remind me, live chat. She rented a room to some other people, and it was in her testimony. Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. All right, keep going. Sorry. Well, uh, d- d- I say this: Susan is not necessarily expertise or talent she is right place right time and i'm right not, time, yeah. not necessarily saying that to disparage her either it's just to say who the hell do you think you are to use your position to squash actual talent for years since in her statement she uh she has the audacity to thank all of us youtubers for the privilege of of working with us and for building the platform and it's like yeah okay how about get out of our way and shut the hell up and let us earn money for you. But you yeah, couldn't. Yeah. You had to censor. You had to meddle. You had to manipulate. And keep in mind, Susan is not just a censor. It's not just deleting the Hitler videos if you have the wrong username. She's a, she's an active propagandist, or at least the company was under her leadership. They oversaw information control to make sure that the vaccine and corona nonsense was pushed. Any pushback, at least for a long time, was banned, and we had to dance around that on this show. She deleted people for simply saying the name of the whistleblower in the Trump, the first Trump impeachment, Eric Charmilla. Our channel, my channel, got banned for a week uh, for for That's saying right. that. And then I, I wore a T-shirt <clears throat> that said Eric Charmilla is not the whistleblower. No, Erica Marshmallow is not the whistleblower's <laughs> name. Yeah banned from streaming a week for that she deleted people for um well she she wouldn't uh she wouldn't allow any serious questions to be asked about the 2020 election don't forget that you still can't this is that's just a sample of the way that she has screwed the people she now says thanks for working together okay your legacy is transforming youtube into their tube and ostracizing and punishing anybody with an unapproved opinion It's directly opposed to the concept, the premise, and the title of YouTube itself. So I, for one, hope she trips on the sidewalk on her way out of the building and smashes her stupid face into an even more hideous form. Ugh. Is that possible? No. It's a rough one. And 
many people in the numerous emails I received, there were also many questions. Um, no, I am not changing the movie rating system. It, it will Never. forever be five wikis. I don't care that she's leaving the company. Uh, I'm not getting rid of any of the defensively Susan references. In fact, if you listen to the very end of this show, one of the Easter eggs, if you want to call it that, is the very, very end. It's uh, our, our musician listener friend Chris and his Susan Wiki Wiki song that is the last piece of audio in each week's stream. And I'm still going to play it there's just uh, i'm doing it i'm not going to stop making fun of susan there's too much tradition in place i'm never going to surrender making fun of that stupid face and if similar memes emerge out of this new guy neil i will allow that but i'm just i'm not gonna i'm sure he's an epic douche i'm not gonna jump and say okay now it's five neils we're doing five neils for the for the movie review no no you can't leave the wiki system you can't leave uh there's one thing I do. It's driving bits into the ground, even when they're no longer relevant. And I can't stop us. I'm sticking with the wiki bit. So don't worry or do oh, worry God. if you're the sort of person who demands relevance in your jokes. Is is an Indian guy going to be any worse? Yes. I, mean, I, I don't know. It always gets worse. Know. What's the saying? It always gets worse before it gets worse. Something like that. <laughs> it's going to I just worse. don't think it could uh, uh, a female. How do I get around this? Ugh. Okay. Um, narcissist. Female narcissist. How could it possibly work, be worse than her demographic? <laughs> uh, I just, if, if what she's saying that this guy is, uh, is behind a lot of the censorship decisions already, then status quo is the baseline. And I have no reason to believe that they're going to suddenly see the light on the damage that their censorship efforts have done and turn that around. So No, no, I, I don't think so. But I just don't think it's going to be worse. Well, in, in the sense that it always is constricting. Like whether Susan stays or goes, there's going to be some yeah. new policy rolling out that's more constricting than the last one. And I yeah. honestly think that would be the case whether Susan stayed or if it was this guy. So maybe to your point, it's inconsequential because YouTube censorship will get more and more constricting as time goes on either way. But, but Indian people tend to care about making money. Although, mm, mm. <laughs> go on. No, you, you don't want me to, but um, you know, YouTube, how much money was it losing on an annual basis? Like an incredible amount. In, in I, fairness I, to Susan, I, I believe she was successful in turning around some of the finances of it as in like major loss to slightly less loss. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think that you, as far as I'm aware, YouTube is still operated at a loss. I don't think it's a profitable arm of Google unless I'm mistaken. And they don't care about turning that around, do they? Well, I would assume they do, but it's not the sort of thing that happens overnight. And I guess they think that accommodating cable news and music videos is the path to profitability. Okay, good luck with that. But that's not the reason people <sighs> left cable and went to YouTube in the first place. The reason they did that is because they wanted to see unfiltered content, whether it is funny cat videos like they were talking about or whether it shows like this one of just people talking about the news. They'd prefer that to at least the people going to YouTube would to the, yeah. the polished, controlled stuff that you find on cable news. Anyway, this, this is going to be a bummer. You're right. I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm just happy to see some change. I'd rather take the unknown. That's a, it's a fair gamble, I suppose. But uh, these days I assume the, the thing is, it's not the unknown. The thing is, this guy is a known That's product. True. He, we've seen, he has the better part of a decade's tenure and we know what he's doing. 
So, oh yeah. Somebody just said a uh, blonde before we were screwed by an incompetent woman. Now we have a competent man. You're right. It could get way worse. <laughs> That's a fair point as well. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else to say about uh, Susan? No, this was a shot. I was shocked when I heard this. Why? How did you, how was the news broken to you? Cause I didn't, I didn't message you. I got a bunch of emails from hmm. fans. So, Okay, well, we will uh, we'll see how Neil the the uh, we'll see how the uh, the kingdom does under King Neil now, and uh, I don't know, I, w- I wouldn't expect much better. But next up, we have to get to the Ohio train derailment. Of course, there's plenty to talk about there, so it probably would be wise to take a break before we sure. get into that. Um, over on Rumble, and that's a good time to remind everyone that Rumble chats are now readable if you prefer to. Avoid the reign of King Neil at the advice of Queen Susan Wiki Wiki. Second Amendment or Die says, have you thought about creating a locals, incredibly based platform, awesome people over there like Vivan Barnes, Rakeda, Ruben, Allison, Morrow, etc. Plus they give 90% of the support to the creator. I have spoken with um, with the people at locals many times over the last few years. And I can confirm right. that based on my experience, uh, they appear to have the right values. And I believe in the the product that they're building. The only problems for me with Locals is that Locals was launched basically the same time that I launched the website that I built after Patreon's fiasco with Sargon. And the reason that we left right, Patreon right. and the reason that Dave Rubin and the rest of them left Patreon. So I, when, when Locals launched, I was put in a position where it's like, well, son of a bitch, I just launched a website that I've been able to build or to transfer my support over. I could do Locals, but I... I at the time, it's like, I don't want to ask people who just did this to go over there or confuse people. Yeah. So I that just, makes sense. Yeah. I left it at the time, not because of anything locals did, but because the timing just was weird. And I've spoken with them since because the other attractive thing about locals is can I have a home to stream on that I can be confident won't, won't just delete my stream on a moment's notice. And when I spoke with them last, which was maybe a year ago, maybe a little longer, they still didn't have the capability to host a stream like this. Mm-hmm. You could go live from a browser and do a little bit less sophisticated of a live stream. But I want I wanted locals to be able to receive this stream signal just like YouTube or Rumble can now, which the companies are integrated. So maybe they have something right. more advanced. Anyway, long way of answering the reasons that I'm not on locals currently are purely circumstantial it's just like bad timing in the way that things played out it's not anything against locals and i can say the same thing for rumble and my interactions with the people there i know that people have questions about their terms of service that have hate speech this or that from what i understand a lot of that has to do with specifics of operating in canada which they were doing prior i don't know if that's true but i can tell you the people i've talked to none of them all of them seem to have the same values as the people I spoke with at locals. And they seem to get the sort of concepts that I'm talking about on this stream. Right. So, um, so, and, and, and I've never seen rumble censor anyone unless I'm mistaken. I, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen them do it, but no, uh, people were concerned about their, um, TOA, but yeah. So TOS. I, I am, I am a fan of both companies or the same. They're kind of the same company now. Um, and perhaps I'll go on there. Uh, it's just, one of those things where exactly what I was looking for wasn't present, even though I agree with the project that they're building. Right. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Second amendment or die. You want to take over? Sure. Uh, Zorzi says, what percentage of the population do you think 
are capable of comprehending abstract concepts at even a basic level. Also, last Sunday, um, Matt actually pronounced my name right, and you corrected him. Rebecca, how could you do oh. this to me? How did you pronounce it? I think I just said Zors. Is it oh. just Zors? I, I I'm sure why. he's told he us five it phonetically times for us yeah. a few times. Oh, can you read a few? I think my apology. Um, to the question, what, what percentage of the population do you think are capable of comprehending abstract Ooh, concepts? A much 20%. lower percentage than I would have believed, say, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say probably few. I'm going to be more optimistic and say it's higher than 20, but I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't say majority. I would say fewer than 50% can think about co- abstract concepts one step ahead, logical consequences of certain premises, or maybe I'm going too far in saying they can't. I think it's different to say can't and don't. I think that there are a lot of times capabilities that aren't necessarily exercised because they're not at the the front of your mindset. But uh, if, if I was going to, if I was going to watch the last couple of years of nonsense that has been perpetrated against us and tell you, oh, yeah, I think people are very capable of abstract, critical thought, principles-based thinking, logical Why did you say analysis. that like you're from Fargo? I don't, did, I, did I go Midwestern? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Must have been my grandparents speaking through me or something. Uh, no, I've watched, right, I've yeah. watched people surrender all independent thinking and submit to all sorts of nonsense they've been they've simply been told. So I have to be a little bit pessimistic on that. I'm more pessimistic because I don't think that most people even have the capability. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, and that's what he asked. Capable, not, yeah, <sighs> not uh, that, that. Yeah. So capability is different than uh, a sort of change in philosophy, change in mindset, change in approach. Goog tuber. Uh, thank you very much. Daniel Kunkel. A month ago, I bought a gas mask. I wondered if my prepper mindset was going overboard. Then the Ohio derailment happened. Well, no one, nowhere near me, thankfully. If it can happen here, it can. If it can happen there, it can happen here. I'm sorry. It's, I'm basically illiterate. There's um, a, yeah. a, a lot of uh, quote unquote prepper things to think about in response to this. And a lot of it currently has to do with water, of course. Yep. Uh, if you were cut off from your water supply or if you had reason to believe that your water supply was compromised, could you provide sufficient water for your family? I do have a Berkey. I I need to get one. I don't have one presently. I do have some other strategies at my disposal, but I don't have one of those. And of course, you right know, now, you can pee into a Berkey and get really water. of course. Uh, right now is a terrible time to buy one because everybody's buying them up. So I'll have to wait a little bit. They are really expensive. I love mine. It's been great. Holden Mulroy. Hi, True Seekers. Matt, what were the best and worst things about living in Wokeland, California? Oh, yeah. You know, I also lived in California. Were so you, uh, was it in your, oh, yeah, you did in your adult life. You lived in LA, right? And I was born in California. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you specifically mean if Wokeland is a reference to Oakland or if you just mean California in general. But of course, the only two years of my life was um was living in Alameda. Uh, the island city off the uh, in the East Bay, right off Oakland. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I don't know that I would separate it from other cities so much. I would say the best thing is whatever aspects of entertainment or culture you're into, they're they're accessible. You know, you want to see a certain band play, you want to see a certain sporting event, you want to see a certain artist of whatever form that's accessible to you. And if there's anything yeah. I miss about city living, 
I love going to a baseball game on a summer yeah, night. Yeah. I like when I was younger, I really liked going to see all sorts of different bands. Mm-hmm. I don't know that now I miss that because that wouldn't be part of my life. Even if I could go out to see a band, which I can't because I have parental responsibilities. I'm not sure. I, it's kind of a young man's thing and I'm kind of out of that. But as far as you know, seeing sporting events, that sort of stuff, accessibility of culture uh, I guess is one thing I miss, even though LA has world-class museums. Yeah. All that stuff, but I wouldn't trade it. Uh, the, the worst part is, and I just experienced this being in the Bay area for the last half a week. It's just, it's a suffocating place. Yeah. There's just, everything is on top of everything. Everything is a million people. Everything is a million buildings. Everything is made of concrete. It's very hard to get into any semblance of, the natural world or mm, not. It's not too bad in the Bay area. It's way worse in Los Angeles. Probably that's probably an even worse concrete jungle. And I have just, I've been there a few times, but I don't have long-term experience there. The weather in the Bay area is like some of my favorite weather in the world though. Well, it, it, it's just like as rainy as like and Portland windy. and Seattle. Yeah. Awesome. I, I loved living in Seattle. I love Seattle weather. Um, that's, that's a very strange taste, but I'll allow it. And then uh, upscale, ethnic food culture what serious <laughs> yeah i like uh, in seattle there are like 10 world-class sushi restaurants and then that ramen place i used to go to all the time go back to where you come from okay i mean it's not like great enough that i want these people in my country but like <laughs> i was gonna say please clarify. they're already there <laughs> i might as well eat their delicious delicious food just restaurant culture in general um it bums me out. I like a lot of leftist stuff, like their coffee culture and beards and bicycles. I and- can see it. Um, the Bay Area is not for me, but I can see how people like city life and they like the ability to walk to everything around them. But for me, yeah. I need some connection to the natural world. I need to be able to escape human artificial yeah. creation and get into some <sighs> form of wilderness. I can't lose that connection to nature or I start to lose my mind. I understand that. So it's not um, for me. But. M-Dub, uh, after hearing this week about the tragedy that is Baltimore school system, what are y'all's thoughts and plans for your children in your neck of the woods? Cheers and Godspeed. Um, tentatively, my husband doesn't listen to the show, so I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Like, I'm going to homeschool and he's not into it, but like, I'm going to find a way to push this one through. Hmm. You might be safe where you live now with uh, with public schools. Who knows? But uh, I don't know. I just started following Vincent James uh, Telegram and I'm like, Idaho's toast. <laughs> it's over. I yeah. think um, if we uh, if we're still here, which I would like to still be here, but to, we in all likelihood will be pushed out by the costs that have been brought to this place. But if we're able to stay here, I, mm-hmm. I would opt for um, homeschooling. But I think what we would try to do is get in one of those group homeschooling uh, scenarios. Too, yeah. I, that's that's appealing to me because you get the the control of a homeschool situation while still having uh, a little bit more of a social element. Uh, the other thing that's appealing to me is you can work with other parents who might have particular topic expertise in certain areas and you can really maximize the value of what you're teaching to your yeah. kids. So that's attractive to me. I public school. I mean, maybe if, if, if my kid did go to public school here, I'd be an involved parent. Cause I don't trust these people. But the number one factor that makes me not trust them is what they, the, the Bozeman 
uh, the school district here in Bozeman, they masked kids forever. Then they put out a poll to parents sometime last year. Or was it the year before? They asked parents if they wanted to continue the mask policy, and the parents overwhelmingly said no. And, and they, they did said, anyway? Too bad. And they carried Why on with even the mask ask policy. Them? Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, uh, I, I don't trust. Well, that people. was a problem around here, too. They were administering vaccines at an elementary school with what? parental approval around. Here. No, that's got to be against the law in Idaho, I would think. With parental approval. Oh, with parental. I thought you said yeah. without. OK, no, with. But yeah. I mean, still like. Well, I guess one kid forges a note or something because he thinks his parents are crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess in, I hate in, that. Yeah. In fairness, I'm sure a lot of in a lot of smaller towns, there are limited resources for where these things are provided. Of course, I'm not advocating for the for administering the vaccine to young children. I'm just saying I could envision a situation in which the school in a small town is sort of like a catch all community center that does a lot of things. I don't but, live in a um, small town. Coeur d'Alene alone is 50. 50- was it specifically people? in Coeur d'Alene or small town? Yeah, it's downtown. It's like three hmm. blocks from me. Yeah. Well, there goes my excuse. Yeah, I think Idaho and Montana are infiltrated, and I think we're going to get pushed out to some shittier parts of the country. And then a train is going to explode, and then we're all going to die. See you in Wyoming. They don't even have trains. That's I have true. been watching Deadwood, and like the appeal of ah. the deserted Old West has... It's How far into thing. Deadwood are you? Great show. I'm in the middle of season two. I, I've heard that it was it was like hard to get into it, and that was true. But now I'm totally into it, except I hate this um, Calamity Jane character. <laughs> She's like way over the top and the acting is shitty. Uh, you know that Buffalo Trixie Bill, I got something yeah. to tell yeah. him. Yeah. So uh, you, Al is British. That, that actor is British. Al Swearingen. Yeah, great yeah. character. Um, great character. Last yeah. uh, 4th, of, 4th of July 2021, we went to Deadwood for vacation. and it was, was it cool? Yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's, we think about moving to the Black Hills potentially. Uh, oh, Deadwood is basically like a Wild West mini Vegas in the Black Hills. You know, the gambling it's is in South legalized. Dakota, right? Yeah. Western South oh. Dakota. So I don't know that I would want to live in Deadwood because it's too much of a tourist trap. But say like Spearfish or Custer or some of those smaller Spearfish isn't that small, but some of those smaller towns, even Rapid City, you could live there. Rapid City is like 100,000 people. You can you can cool. get cool spots in the Black Hills for fairly affordable prices, at least when we were browsing like a year and a half ago. If we get if we get pushed out of these areas, I think we're going to end up somewhere like that. Black Hills, I could definitely live there and be happy. Not just because I've been watching Deadwood, yeah. but <laughs> it's a great show, though. Unfortunately, it just kind of it got canceled. It, it had three seasons and it just went away. It didn't really get a proper ending. But there they just made three seasons. They made a movie in 2019. And everyone's oh. like, it's when South Dakota got statehood, like 20 years after or whatever. Oh. And so they're all older. It's kind of an interesting movie. Interesting. Okay. I'm sure everybody wanted to listen to us here about if you, talking about Deadwood and then talking about Last Samurai later. If you haven't heard enough of our Yellowstone opinions, Deadwood. There God, you go. that show sucks. Well. All right. Let's all right. We should probably uh, get back to the news. We got so. through like three uh, oh. Super Chats. Great. We will come back to them. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you at the end of the stream. Thank you for your patience, guys. Appreciate it. All right, let's get back into the news and specifically this Ohio train derailment and what they say is going to be FEMA help coming to East Palestine, Ohio. Um, but to give a brief background and timeline of what exactly has happened here, it's, it's now over two weeks since a Norfolk Southern Railroad freight train derailed in East Palestine. This is on the eastern border of Ohio. Uh, the border with Pennsylvania. 
The train was about 150 cars long. About 50 of the uh, cars were affected by the derailment. 20 of the 150 cars contained hazardous materials. 11 of those were impacted by the wreck, uh, spilling their contents into the surrounding environment. The primary chemical at issue here is vinyl chloride used to produce PVC and other plastic products. According to investigators, the derailment was caused by a mechanical issue with the rear car axle. There's a video out there that shows sparks and flames coming from that rear axle as the train was traveling down the tracks, and it appears that was the cause, at least as of now. A quick timeline of what exactly happened here. The wreck was uh, a little over two weeks ago now, Friday, February 3rd. On February 4th, the day after, responders discovered contaminated runoff impacting nearby streams. Norfolk Southern contractors installed booms and overflow dams to restrict the flow of the contaminated water. Nearby residents the day after were advised to leave the area. February 5th, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine then asks residents to leave the area again, not just because of potential contamination in the water or in the soil, but this time because of the risk of explosion, because the train car contents were potentially unstable. February 6th, DeWine and Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro uh, order the immediate evacuation of remaining residents. So before they ask politely, now they say get the hell out of here because Norfolk Southern is going to execute a controlled release of the train car chemicals to prevent this explosion that is feared. There was also a controlled burn, which Why? sent that massive black cloud of smoke into the sky visible for miles and visible uh, from planes above. The idea here is that uh, I, I don't know exactly, I don't know all the specifics of the chemistry, but but this vinyl chloride has to be stored a certain way because it has a very low boiling point. And if you don't store it correctly, it becomes very unstable and it's an explosive risk. And so they decided that that actually burning it in a controlled way was the the safest way to dispose of it. So they did that. That created all the images that you've seen of this giant black cloud that looked like hell had finally arrived on Earth. And you think, thank God, it's finally we're, we're finally there, but maybe not quite yet. Uh, February 8th, DeWine Shapiro and the East Palestine fire chief and the incident commander, Keith Drabeck, say residents can safely return home. Uh, but that, uh, of course, is not the end of the story. February 13th this week, Norfolk Southern submits an action plan to the EPA detailing how it has responded to the derailment and further actions it proposes. And then on Tuesday, Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, says Norfolk Southern has agreed to pay for the cost of damages and cleanup in East Palestine and will stay in the town until the situation is remedied. Now, throughout the process, there's been environmental testing. Uh, on both water and air quality and residents have been assured that the air and water quality is safe. However, many area residents have posted photos and videos of dead fish, dead animals, other signs of poisoning and toxicity potentially. And now uh, late in the week, several, uh, several water um, authorities or whatever the proper term is, several water districts, a couple of them at least have, now turned off intake from the Ohio River out of an abundance of caution that it might be uh, contaminated. So specifically, the city of Cincinnati, this is 400 miles downstream from East Palestine, announced it is temporarily closing down its Ohio River water intake and will operate on reserves while the situation is evaluated. The same goes for uh, the northern Kentucky 
water district as well. Oh, man. Now, well, that says it all, doesn't it? Uh, it's not necessarily encouraging, but um, of course, everybody has been pointing fingers at each other for the last two weeks. There was scrutiny on the lack of federal involvement, particularly for Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who uh, most importantly is gay. And don't forget that <laughs> he was, you know, talking at conferences this week about how there are too many white people who work in construction. And then eventually he appeared on the news to say that, hey, there are over a thousand train derailments annually, even if this one is pretty bad looking. Um, and I, I wish I had more time. Maybe one thing I'll, I'll spend more time looking into, because I have seen reports from last year that don't have an interest in framing this story a particular way, that train derailments in general are fairly common. A, a, year, a, a KTLA story I saw said, yeah, 15, 1700 a year. And that was reported last year. However, the one thing I want to scrutinize or, or check on is this is this like the mass shooting thing where someone to, right. someone told me. So take it with a grain of salt. Someone told me that in a case where a train makes a wrong turn on the tracks, like where there's an, a fork in the tracks and they go left instead of right, that that counts as a train derailment. I don't I know. I, if, I don't know if that's true. Because, um, of course, when I think train derailment, I think what we're looking at on the screen right now, all the cars off the track in a something of a disaster situation. So when they say a 1000 or 1500 or 1700 train derailments per year, I want to know what the definition of train derailment is. OK, anyway. well, on Wikipedia, it says a derailment occurs when a rail vehicle such as a train comes off its rails. OK, so that would be a good but definition. This other definition, a derailment is an accident in which a train comes off the track on which it is running. Right. So that would be a little bit, uh, that would be more of a weaselly definition. But even if it just bounces off its tracks and then stops, it's, that's a derailment. Yeah. Uh, of course, there are degrees of severity. You could have a derailment, uh, theoretically, at low speed in which basically nothing happens. You could have a derailment where there's no... Uh, dangerous uh, product being transported and it's less of a But most a of them nothing happens. Most of them are minor. Yeah. This clearly is something that uh, that is is more significant. Um, there's also been scrutiny that's been applied to, to FEMA who initially refused involvement at least if you uh, at least according to the governor um, but it was on Thursday it was reported that the Biden administration and FEMA turned down Ohio Governor DeWine's request for disaster assistance. According to this report, FEMA told the Ohio state government that it's not eligible for disaster assistance because this event does not qualify as a traditional or natural disaster like a tornado or a hurricane. Do you know why else? Because there has, has to be quantifiable property damage, which they're claiming is not relevant in this case. Interesting. Because the air and water are fine, supposedly. Uh, since there, the, the other rationale I've heard since there's a party at fault, as in, uh, Norfolk Southern, the train company, FEMA's position is that the train company, uh, they're the ones responsible to provide assistance. And it appears, uh, the train company is present and doing, uh, you know, and is providing assistance, uh, assistance of some sort at the site. The, the question you might want to consider is to what degree do we trust the people who caused the accident to, clean up and provide the truth about how and why the accident happened. Right. Um, but the, the other thing that makes this hilarious, if indeed FEMA did say this, sorry, that's not, that's strictly not within the scope of our agency. That would mark maybe the first time ever the Biden administration has 
stayed true to the letter of what the boundaries of the usage of an agency would be. Um, mm. See the the vaccine mandate through OSHA, see the eviction moratorium through the CDC. They have used agency authority, not just used, but abused to go well beyond the venue or the jurisdiction of these agencies in many other contexts. This would be the one time where it's like, whoa, man, uh, sorry, we have rules around here. Right. But that apparently has now been reversed. FEMA now says they will assist more details on supposedly how momentarily. But but while this problem was addressed, everyone was pointing fingers uh, at others, not just Buttigieg and FEMA, but many defending the administration were pointing fingers elsewhere as well. Of course, classically, it's got to be Trump's fault somehow. Uh, it, it, it apparently is Trump's fault for removing railway safety standards. Uh, that was uh, that's a claim of many trying to defend the Biden administration, though, when you read the details, it's a very flimsy case. Under Obama, there was an effort to set rules for minimum minimum crew sizes and braking technology for trains. I'm not exactly clear on what happened here, but my reading of the Washington Post coverage is that these things became federal guidelines, not necessarily rules with any level of enforcement. The efforts to formalize these rules were then scrapped under Trump. And so obviously it's Trump's fault that even though the new administration is perfectly free to work on these rules if they wish, Trump didn't. And so it's a Trump problem. Anyway, if you're looking for clarification, the clarification that matters here, this is how the Washington Post characterizes in their in their tweet. The Trump administration abandoned safety rail safety rules. Oh, really? How? Let me click on the story. Let's see. I only have to scroll down paragraph one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, however many more. Paragraph thirty four. This key description, quote, had the Obama era rule remained in place, it still would not have applied. It still would not have applied to the train that derailed in Ohio because it contained too few cars carrying especially dangerous flammable liquids. So irrelevant point then is what you're saying. Very cool. Thank you for that. Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, is also a scapegoat. Um, DeWine apparently did not declare a state of emergency, which does have legal implications for what aid is eligible, if my understanding is correct. Uh, or if I'm mistaken, he didn't declare a state of emergency quickly. If he has, it's, it's very recent. Um, DeWine. In terms of FEMA, it wouldn't have mattered. I I've read conflicting claims. I've said, I've heard people say, no, that, that does matter in terms of getting federal assistance. You have to declare a state of emergency. I'm not clear what the legal standard is on that. Well, is FEMA the only federal assistance they could have gotten. Well, no, they're saying they're they're not even the only feds who are there. You've got the EPA, even the CDC is showing up in terms of FEMA specifically. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. FEMA is a sub agency of HHS, right? Homeland security. Or not HHS, yes. Homeland Security, e- not HHS. There's too many federal agencies. I can't keep track of all the acronyms. <laughs> anyway, so he didn't declare a state of emergency. DeWine um, does not appear to have made formal requests for federal assistance, at least early on. DeWine said in a press conference on Wednesday that the president called him to say he'd do anything DeWine needs. And DeWine said, I've not called him back at the time. Overall, DeWine is accused of having a cozy relationship with the train company, Norfolk Southern, including campaign contributions but i i looked into that with the time i had today i see uh a notation that he he gave campaign donations to norfolk southern's political action committee mm. but i've not seen record of him donating directly to dewine's campaign maybe it went to the political action committee and then to dewine i'm not saying it didn't happen i'm just saying i haven't seen the the records that show me that 
Um, anyway, whether it was DeWine's fault for not asking or the federal government's uh, fault for stalling and avoiding, there's finally, I guess, federal assistance going to East Palestine, Ohio, starting over the weekend. Uh, Rand Paul joked on Twitter, all they had to do was put on the Zelensky mask and the checks would have started rolling in. What were you guys thinking? Yeah, Probably really. was a better strategy, but um, they're not actually sending anything, though. But listen yeah. to this non-statement statement that that um, Mike DeWine's office said uh, tomorrow. FEMA will be supplement will supplement federal efforts by deploying a senior response official along with oh. a regional incident management assistant team. Um, a senior response team. official. Yeah, to support ongoing operations, including coordination and ongoing assessments of potential long-term recovery needs. I've never read anything that says less in my life. So yeah, I mean, tentatively, they'll just send out some bullshit employees while they're gauging public reaction and then give the absolute minimum amount of money to shut people up. Yeah. Uh, If you think that this is anything other than a, a reaction to political outrage, that's all it yeah. is. This has nothing to do with the legal technicalities of who who's eligible for what. It's just people got mad, and so they're trying to placate them. And how could they even possibly remedy something like this that gets into the soil, air, and water? There's no environmental cleanup that's going to sat- genuinely satisfy um, people's needs. And what about their exposure up to this point? Yeah, the uh, it's not going to be like cleaning up the oily ducks with Dawn or something like that. You, no, you have, there are pregnant women, pregnant women there. Uh, yeah, well, and I, I don't again, I can't claim expertise on the chemistry at issue here, but I've listened to a few YouTube videos, so I'm pretty much an expert. But <laughs> what people were saying about the, the either the vinyl chloride or the byproducts of burning vinyl chloride that you get. Uh, some sort of compound that actually just binds to water as in water vapor in the air. And that the, the product of that is uh, hydrochloric acid. You get acid rain after, after the burning of the, I, yeah, I, I can't claim to tell you this is how dangerous the water is. This is how dangerous the air is or not, or what the consequences will be. But that's kind of the problem. You have government officials telling you, don't worry, that giant black cloud of smoke is really not a big issue. The water's fine. The air's fine. Trust us. Uh, If I was living in that area, uh, I would break out the water filter as well. I would consider leaving for a good long while. This this strikes me as the sort of situation where 20, 30 years from now, you read some newspaper article about how the effects were actually much more significant than were realized at the time. I hope that's not the case. I, and I'm not saying it for sure is the case. I don't know. It just, I'm not super optimistic though. I'm wise enough to know that when the government says pay no attention to that giant black cloud, I I might pay a little attention. Yeah, I know. Uh, It's really sad. I think it's not getting the kind of attention people want because this is a poor white community. They this were a poor minority way. community. I mean, what do you think would be happening right now? Uh, well, I don't know. I suppose there's a there have been similar similar problems too in uh, less white places that have have gone awry as well. But uh, do that's I, true. But if this happened in East St. Louis and FEMA told everybody to fuck off, <laughs> yeah. uh, every yeah. American city would be on fire right now. I don't doubt that there are maybe a few political considerations about. Hey, look, uh, this is rural Ohio where people vote like seventy percent Trump. Uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. doubt that there's some of that going on. 
Uh, East Palestine's mayor says, uh, hey, it's great that uh, FEMA's showing up now, but it's kind of too little too late. He appeared on Fox and Friends yesterday and um, he uh, he said that FEMA gave him the the excuse that others have cited. Well, this disaster doesn't qualify for aid. I guess they've reversed on that. He says he's glad FEMA and other feds have finally shown up, but they really should have been there uh, earlier, he says. Where's my clip? Let me find it. Here we go. Finally, the federal government's response is coming physically to Ohio two weeks later. How do you feel this morning about the handling of this disaster in your town? Well, I guess they're, you know, they're finally showing up, but uh, I think it's a little late. I'm glad they're coming, but, you know, I think they should have been here long before this. What's the excuse? What's the rationale? What would be the reason why with an environmental disaster occurring in your community, they would wait two weeks? What have they told you? They've told us since there's a responsible party, uh, this isn't FEMA's job. They're more of a natural disaster uh, type agency. In my opinion, they should have been here early, you know, with clinics and stuff, setting up uh, things for our village residents. Hmm. I I want to discuss a little bit some of uh, my principles at stake in this story, too, because this is the other side of the accountability problem. The reason you don't want federal law enforcement is because those police are removed from local accountability instead mm-hmm. of just being yeah, Sheriff yeah. Joe who lives over in the house next door. You know him, his kids go to school with, with yours and you guys are, you know, buddies on the weekend. It's just some faceless fed from a thousand miles away, but that's not just uh, true in policing. It's, it's, it's true in other contexts like this one, people who don't live in your community, they don't care. There's no FEMA administrator who's ever going to care about East Palestine like this mayor does, or even like the governor does being from the state. Right. Yeah. They have no reason to, cause there's a whole rest of the country uh, for, for them to worry about. So it, it's not to excuse the federal action here or the lack thereof. Um, but I think it's foolish to think that you can rely on these people in the first place. Uh, we, I think we need to break some of that mindset and expect that, generally speaking, your local and state responders are better suited than the federal entourage. However, to push back a little bit on my own skepticism of the federal government and their role, there yeah, is a- there are clearly implications for people across the country. Anybody that is downstream using, I I, I read that the uh, Ohio River, ten percent of the country is relying on the water source. That's that could be. It could be. Yeah. Um, they're clearly, if the federal government is going to do anything, yeah. they should be doing this. You, you have a railway by its nature is going to be an interstate issue. Yes. Um, the feds to that extent will, will have some involvement. Water, when waterways are compromised to your point, interstate issues to settle, that's going to require some federal involvement. Uh, even if I have to bend some of, uh, my, my fed skeptical principles, if we lived in a world where my biggest worry about the federal government is whether they did a good enough job providing the water bottles at the disaster site, that would be uh, welcome over the amount of federal abuse that exists currently. Um, I just, um, I, I'm not, I'm not saying they have no business being there. I, I, I just want to, I, I want to build a society where we're less. We, we just expect less of them and expect less of the feds and we'll probably have a better time. You know what I mean? I, I'm with you, but you know, we all pay exorbitant taxes that we can't, infor- we can't afford while experiencing the precursor to hyperinflation. Yeah. yeah. And then we can't rely on any federal resources to bail us out when things happen 
through a crumbling infrastructure, which our tax our tax dollars should be going. Well, to. we had the infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure package. How come that didn't fix <laughs> right. any of this? Uh, anyway, that uh, that's all I got to say about that. We are running tight on time, so I'll. Oh, uh, I did want to say a few things about this before we. Yeah, okay. go ahead. So this is um what we're going to see. I, I used to think that we were going to have this um this really acute collapse situation, but that's not what's going to happen. It's going to be this slow, long descent into third world status. Um, and the first kinds of things that happen is, uh, you know, interstate travel becomes more difficult for people. We've talked about that show, like dangerous roads before. I mean, that that is what's going to happen. It's going to be really difficult to get from place A to place B, and it's going to become a lot more expensive and a lot more dangerous. So we've seen this. We're going to see a lot of plane crashes too, especially since United has initiated this um, minority female thing. Dude, I like flew I, United back home from, dude, from San Francisco I, yesterday. If I, was I get sweating. a peek <sighs> in the cockpit and it's a black chick, I'm out of there. What do like, you mean? I, Diversity I, is our strength. Or I'm about to go under uh, general anesthesia and I see that my surgeon is a black female. Like there are serious implications <laughs> okay. to my, to like, to removing meritocracy in all fields. And we're going to see that um, with things like this. I mean, I don't know who the conductor I was, but I can't believe that someone would have so much like hate in their heart. I did see somewhere that it was a young black female that was the conductor on the train. Oh, is, is that, that confirmed? <laughs> it's unconfirmed because I just looked it up. I couldn't find Wait, are it. Anywhere, you being serious? It, are, are you that's actually, what I read? You're yeah. not even joking. That's a serious. No, point. no, I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm not. I'm not joking. No, no, I'm totally serious. Like, obviously, it matters the quality of people that are at the helm of of any uh, of these um, transportation methods. Like, obviously, that matters. You have to be skilled. And then we have the crumbling infrastructure problem. Did you see that video of um, the Ohio train? And it was like, I saw it. I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't confirm exactly where that is or what the origin of it was. So I didn't want to. I'm pretty sure it's old. I retweeted it anyway. Yeah, but it did look. This is the first thing that happens when a country loses its first world status. Uh, The infrastructure crumbles and, and people start to die. And like, that's what, what we're seeing here. That's clearly what's going on. Well, uh, I guess. Don't you remember uh, that bridge collapse, which all with all the female engineers? I don't remember that one. Where it was, was in that? Florida? Yeah, there was some um, female uh, like engineer program, and then they built this bridge, and it collapsed, and a whole bunch of people died. This was like five years ago, four hmm. years ago. We talked about it on the show. Well, speaking of uh, societal collapse and destruction, catch me up on the inflation report. Oh, what a disaster. Okay, inflation up by 0.5%. Last month, it was 0.1%. Translated to an annual gain of 6.4%. Can you believe that? Um, And of course, the year before that, it was also something comparable. Yes, uh, excluding uh, food and energy, the core CPI increased 0.4% monthly, 5.6% from a year ago, um, which was higher than estimates. This is the real doozy. Rising shelter costs accounted for about half the monthly increase. The component accounts for more than one third of the index rose 0.7% month on month, up nearly 8% from a year ago. And that's what people care about. They care about shelter. They care about energy and they care about food. Energy up 2% in a month, 8.7% annually. Food costs up 0.5% and 10.1% annually. 10.1% annually. And then real prices 
um, mean that that real pay rising prices mean that real pay for workers is down. Average hourly earnings are fell 0.2% in the month, down nearly 2% from a year ago. How can people continue? We can't continue on this trajectory. Like none of us are going to be able to afford anything. Well, Biden just marches out to celebrate this news because inflation is down, don't you know? And uh, also, he said food prices at grocery stores are coming down. I guess the strategy is just lie your ass off. Here it is. Today's report on inflation shows the good news is that inflation in America is continuing to come down. It's fallen seven straight months. There's more to go. Food prices at grocery store are coming down. Gas prices are down $1.60 since their peak. Real wages for working Americans are up over the last several months. The living, welcome, breathing room. Melissa, my dad would say, all I'm looking for, Joey, is just a little breathing room at the end of the month. Hmm. Did the, he say everything, that? Every single thing that you just said was a lie. Based on the the BLS, there are they're, they're statistics that were just released. Released Egg prices up 70%. Cereal up nearly 16%. Coffee up 12.6%. <laughs> And it's amazing how gas prices are always down relative to the highest ever price. When you compare to the highest price ever, they're always down. That's amazing. What a liar. You, you, they're, they're not going to be able to convince Americans that they aren't hemorrhaging money. Like, I don't so, remember the last time I went to the grocery store and spent less than $100. I don't. Even when you... Uh, actually, what's most shocking to me, not that the big trips aren't shocking, they are. But what's really rattled me is those kind of inner... Those those trips you take where you just have to pick up a few items. Oh, I forgot this or that. Trips, or, oh, yeah. we're making this one thing tonight and my wife needs X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it's like 20 bucks. And then I do the self-checkout like trying to get out of there. And it's, yeah, 50, 60. Okay. Um, yeah, food prices are not coming down. They are increasing at a slightly slower pace than they were a few months ago. But in no way, shape, or form have food prices declined at any point under the tenure of this presidency. That is a flat out lie, but I don't need to tell people that. I just enjoy watching the lie. Anyway, um, I this will... is the collapse gag. This is it. It's happening. Finally. Uh, can oh. it hurry up, please? I'm finally becoming collapsitarian. I've had enough of this. I don't know. I need well, more time. Uh, I'll have to hurry through this a little bit because we are tight on time, but I do want to talk about this Michigan State University shooting. Uh, on Monday night, a, uh, a gunman roamed the campus of Michigan State University in East Lansing. He killed three students, injured five more. Of the five injured, two are no longer in critical condition. One remains in serious condition. Reportedly, one is now paralyzed from the chest down I saw earlier today. The gunman was Anthony McRae. He opened fire in a classroom during class time. McRae left the classroom building, went to the student union building where he killed another man. The shooting was at 8.18 p.m. local time. McRae was at large for a little over three hours until 11.35 p.m. when police approached him off campus in Lansing or East Lansing. I forget. Don't get mad at me. Michiganders. I don't remember what city is which in Michigan, but whatever city Michigan State University is in. And he shot himself dead. Alyssa uh, Slotkin, Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin, immediately joined the chorus of Democrats calling for gun control on this basis before uh, the facts were out at all. Gun grabbers are taking advantage of the opportunity. And she said at this press conference, either you agree with her on her gun grabbing or uh, you just don't care about dead kids. And I am filled with rage that we have to have another press conference to talk about our children being killed in their schools. And I would say that you either care about protecting kids or you don't. 
You either care about having an open, honest conversation about what is going on in our society, or you don't. But please don't tell me you care about the safety of children if you're not willing to have a conversation about keeping them safe in a place that should be a sanctuary. No, I, I wish those kids were able to defend themselves, not get shot in the face helplessly. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm so sick of this. Think of the children trope. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed that they were able to take that stance though, because this guy was black. Uh, yes. Which, get buried. Which, which, but they, then they had this Christian angle, so they kind of went with that. I didn't see that. What was that about? Uh, that he was, uh, I read that he was like a, a super religious, mentally ill hmm. person. Okay. Like, well, I don't know. That sounds like standard black guy stuff to me. He might have had a few quirks, but uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Biden. It, uh, how are they still saying, think of the children? They, well, they haven't come up with anything the, new in the last two decades. What's, what's preposterous is, yeah, we are thinking of the children. I don't want the children to get shot. First of all, they're not children in this context. These are young adults. Yeah. But regardless, I don't want any of them to get shot. I want them to be able to put the guy who is threatening them or attacking them down on the spot. Everyone wants to protect the innocent people. You're the only one who thinks a sign that says, Hey, this is a sanctuary. You you jerk. You can't bring a gun here. It's a sanctuary. Like that's going to stop him. It clearly did not. Uh, Biden also without any of the facts, uh, gave a speech the next day saying, you know, who cares what the facts are? We got to ban assault weapons. While we gather more information, there's one thing we do know to be true. We have to do something to stop gun violence ripping apart our communities. And I'm going to say something that's always controversial, but there is no rationale for assault weapons and magazines that hold 50, 70 bullets. We got it done once. We're going to do it again. But anyway, look. That referring to an assault weapons ban. Now, I, I would disagree that there's no rationale but that's an irrelevant point the guy used two nine millimeter handguns in this case yeah yeah and like he gives a shit about what's ripping apart communities what's ripping apart communities right now crumbling infrastructure inflation uh issues with the nuclear family gender issues like it's not guns unless it's in the black community and nobody wants to talk about that i'm supposed to believe that the reason this guy went and shot up a uh, michigan state classroom is because people in idaho own ar-15s that's yeah that's why that's definitely why. Yeah. So Democrats in Michigan are already hard at work. They've got a new package of bills proposed. They announced on Thursday, Michigan Senate Democrats uh, unveiling a sweeping new gun control p- uh, plan, including several or, or sorry, including uh, universal background checks. That would be background checks on private sales, safe storage requirements, because that was the problem in this case. This guy didn't put the two handguns that he used to kill people later in a safe when he was at home the night prior. If he had, this all could have been avoided. They want to do red flag laws for confiscation upon court order and more. Almost all of these ideas are completely irrelevant to the facts. The facts are actually very inconvenient uh, to the, the sort of policies they're trying to push. First of all, under Michigan law, uh, even if you hold a concealed carry permit to concealed carry legally, uh, concealed carry is prohibited by state law at schools, including at the university system. It's not just... Uh, uh, some generic statement that this was a gun-free zone. It is legally a gun-free zone in Michigan. The guy, th- this guy, this McRae shooter, uh, he was already breaking the law merely by carrying the gun on the cam- on campus in the first place. 
the signs were there to tell him this was a sanctuary, as Alyssa Slotkin demands. He didn't they care. Didn't stop him. Yeah. Uh, he And in fact, he had a criminal history. And this is where it gets pretty interesting. Um, he had a criminal history that includes violating this very policy. In 2019, he was arrested and charged for carrying a gun without a permit. Oh, um, there it is. Under Michigan law, that's what? A felony charge. He had been convicted, or had he been convicted of a felony, he would have been federally prohibited from gun pres- uh, possession. Instead, he pleaded down to a misdemeanor charge because the former progressive DA in Ingham County made a formal policy change to stop enforcing this law because, after all, mostly black people like this guy were getting charged with it. More on that in a moment. Why? God, it's so retarded. Police were also called to McRae's house prior <laughs> because neighbors would hear gunshots from the back of his home. It's believed that he was doing target practice through his back door. Now, I don't know the exact living situation. I would bet that that is also a violation of law, depending on. I, I'm I don't, sure it is. I don't think he's living on a 10 acre ranch or something like that. That'd be a Can small you even ranch. do you it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're in city limits, which it sounds like this was, you're not doing target practice mm-hmm. out your back door. Anyway, um, this guy was given lenient treatment by the former reform or progressive uh, prosecutor, the, the DA, enabling his crime in this case. Then Ingham County Prosecutor Carol Simon. It's a weird last name, but I just don't want to say Seaman, even though it looks like Seaman. Simon. <laughs> Announced a policy change in 2021, she would no longer bring felony charges for simply the unlawful possession or carrying of a gun because, yeah, this this law was disproportionately impacting black people. It would appear this is the same thinking she used uh, with with the killer in this case, McRae, when he got uh, out of his charge in 2019. The sheriff of Ingham County at the time of this policy change in 2021 said, hey, this is a terrible idea, Uh, not just as a matter of policy. But because it defies the Michigan State Legislature, who holds the lawmaking authority, not the prosecutor. This is a, a news story from 2021 that aged very poorly. She says she'll be changing the way her office deals with the felony firearm charge. Michigan created the felony firearm charge in 1976 when there was a rise in the state's gun violence. And it's a mandatory two years in prison if you're convicted of felony firearm. In Michigan, about 80% of the people who are incarcerated on a felony firearm charge are black, with a statewide population of 14%. I think the vast majority of the Ingham County community feel that this is the absolute wrong thing to do. It's not time for experiments. I think this is proven when it's been tried in other uh, municipalities around the country. Crime is exploding in those areas now as well. To just simply thumb your nose at the legislature, those that create the laws and the laws that are on the books because you don't like the look of it and get the laws changed. But to just start ignoring laws that are on the books because of some personal agenda or some study you read or somebody across the country says, hey, I think you should do this. Um, we need to focus on what's happening here in Ingham County. Dude, did she say 14 on 85? That's so much worse than than 13 on 50. It's pretty skewed. Yeah. Well, I, I love it. It doesn't even occur to her that black people just commit more crime. It's uh, it's not considered in the in the discussion here at, at any point. No, I mean, um, and if you would say something like that to her, she'd probably be, find some way that that white people make black people commit more crime. Probably. Prosecutor Carroll retired from the office early this year after criticism from judges and law enforcement like that. 
for her soft on crime policies. Now, don't I want to clarify too? don't misunderstand me. My point here is not that that guy should have been charged simply for carrying a gun. If we charge the people for carrying guns, this would all be better. That's it still would have happened. That's generally not a law I would favor. Of course, my point is that you can't trust these people who look the other way to enable the criminals to protect you from the criminals. The best person and the first person and the last person to protect you from the criminals is you. you. And so you should be suspicious of any politician looking to strip you of that right. And that's putting it politely. It, it, oh, yeah. Suspicion is the kindest treatment they deserve. Actually, you should be warming the tar and fluffing the feathers. Yeah. Um, was anybody talking about this Texas mall shooting this week? I, I've seen a little bit of coverage uh, about that, but that's the other side of this. Hey, look what happens when we... um. When we don't make citizens choose between protecting themselves or putting themselves at the mercy, uh, becoming a felon for protecting themselves, I should say, or putting themselves at the mercy of some psychopath who could ambush you at any point. If we don't put law abiding citizens in that legal predicament, look what happens when they're able to intervene with one of those cycle psychopaths. I I said psychopaths, but that's because I have such an issue with psychopaths. (laughs) That too. You guys too. Crackdown's Um, coming for you. Someday. But yeah, when citizens aren't able to defend them, citizens are enabled to defend themselves. You get uh, outcomes like this. Yeah, totally. Um, So this was a mall in El Paso. So no matter that I don't even know if these people were illegal or not. I I assume the guy that shot because he was licensed to carry could not possibly have been illegal. But this 16 year old Hispanic male killed one person, uh, a 17 year old uh, girl, and then um, shot a 15 year old. And injured somebody else. And there was some kind of confrontation that led to this. But then this 32-year-old guy, Emmanuel Duran, he's a licensed carry holder. He shot the suspect. Um, and the suspect is in stable condition, didn't kill him. So shot him and was able to not to not kill him. Although I don't know if he did that. He, he probably does have a permit in Texas. Even th- this uh, framing isn't necessarily wrong in this, this Fox uh, article, but... You don't even have to be licensed in Texas anymore. It's a constitutional carry state as of 2021. So you could just be a guy. Uh, I'm sure this guy probably did have a permit for his various purposes for having that. But But he at uh, least had to be a citizen. I don't know about these other these other people. Oh, yeah. Who knows? uh, To be fair, it was a, a confrontation between two groups. This is not a random shooting. Oh, I thought it was just I thought it was like a mall mass shooting thing, but maybe not. Maybe it's no, 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 no. It was like two Mexicans in an actual Mexican shoot off situation, mm. except the, the chick and the 15 uh, year old didn't have guns, but they, what was they the were term like that we heard weeks ago, jugging where they try to steal your shit outside the store. Well, Maybe it was a jugging. The show is getting so depressing. <laughs> All right. I have to hurry up because I'm so far behind, but a couple things, uh, the experts have conceded some of the truth. It's okay to talk about it. I just want people to be aware of these things. I can't go into detail due to time constraints, but, um, Studies show now that, uh, yeah, masks do jack shit and uh, natural immunity is as good or better than vaccine immunity. So point A, no. uh, the uh, a, 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 an analysis was published um, by the uh, Cochrane Library, an extremely well-regarded service that aggregates a database of high-quality medical studies and analyzes them. 
and they published an analysis of randomized controlled trials on physical interventions, otherwise known as masks, including some other things like washing your hands, uh, designed to reduce the spread of respiratory viruses, as in COVID-19. The analysis includes 78 randomized controlled trials on masks dating back to the 2009 H1N1 pandemic. The conclusion is that wearing masks in the community makes little or no difference to the outcome of flu-like or COVID-like illness. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky responded to this analysis saying, well, it included studies unrelated to COVID-19 and COVID-19 has a higher transmission rate. So it's kind of an apples to orange, apples to oranges comparison. Notably, though, six new studies now included in the analysis are COVID-19 specific, two from Mexico, others from Denmark, Bangladesh, England and Norway. If masks clearly worked against the transmission of COVID-19, these studies would show that they do not. The only studies that claim to show masks work to prevent COVID transmission, so far as I'm aware, are laboratory settings. They're spraying oh, aerosols on a, on a mask in a lab, not studies conducted on real people living their real lives. They have no evidence to show that masks do anything. They upended our lives and harassed us over these uh, at best, messed up our kids' psychology to disastrous effects at worst. Um, and then headline NBC this week um, Immunity acquired from a COVID infection is as protective as vaccination against severe illness and death. Study finds. New research published in the Lancet Medical Journal notes infection acquired immunity, as in your body's natural immune response to the virus, cut the risk of COVID infection by 88% for at least 10 months. According to the researchers, that makes natural immunity at least as effective, if not more effective, than two doses of the mRNA vaccine. And yet, this is also bullshit. Um, Peter McCullough told me, and for those of you that haven't checked out my Peter McCullough interview, it's the last interview on my channel. Um, he told me that natural immunity has a 100% efficacy in preventing um, reinfection and that every case of a secondary uh, episode of COVID can be attributed to PCR error. 100% mm. permanent immunity. Natural permanent? Immunity. Like even the, even the variants you can't get reinfected? No, you cannot get reinfected. It's all hmm. this, these PCR errors. I'm kind of skeptical of that because I got, I got what seemed like various iterations of it, but maybe but you don't it wasn't know if that. you were even. Inf- you don't know yeah. if you ever had COVID. Well, I I'm comfortable believing that I did because of the loss of taste and smell. But to your point, did I test every single time? No, I just kind of think I had it at certain points or not. You know. Also, look at the people that are getting secondary infections. They're people that are testing obsessively. Those people are already neurotic. Anyway, this whole thing is horseshit. They're they're just just saying that the vaccine is protective of the virus. That's not even true. I suppose they haven't gone far enough, but I it, they've they've made progress from their prior propaganda. These motherfuckers. Give them God, that. they better pay. I hope God is a vengeful one. Hmm. Well, I have a couple of pieces of quick hoax hate for you. All right. <laughs> Now, the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit, it's backwards. You think they'll notice? In Portland, Oregon, a man says his middle school son was targeted in a racially motivated attack at school. The attacking student says they uh, said they were, quote, doing the George Floyd on him. 
This incident happened nearly three weeks ago, and the family tells us nothing has yet to be sent out to families district wide. A Portland family says their young son was the target in a hate based attack in the middle of the school day. Raheem Alexander's son is an eighth grader at West Sylvan Middle School. It says he was accosted by two students while going to get a drink of water. They put him up against a the wall. Um, they um, bound his hands behind his back. Um, and they told him that they were um, doing the George Floyd on him. They put him face down on the ground uh, with his hands behind his back. Um, they proceeded to put a knee in his back, and one of the students said to him that now they were turning off the body camera and they're going to wait 20 <laughs> seconds. Alexander says they asked for PPS to send out a letter about the encounter district wide, but says instead only West Sylvan families were notified. The school principal said the students involved in creating the harm are receiving appropriate disciplinary action and said counselors will work with students on anti-racist lessons in the coming months. They threw this under the rug and they didn't want this to get out. We asked why he thinks that. Because it's West Sylvan. It's, it's not a community of color. That's why. Okay, I don't that's mean so to. That's uh, so funny. I hope that's true. That's I don't mean hilarious. to perpetuate stereotypes, but they did they have to put the basketball playing in the background? You can hear the <laughs> dribbling. It's Come like, on, what are you doing? What? Okay. I don't know. It uh, might be true. Well, it, it, the the gist of this story now it's not enough just for for him the parent to virtue signal about it. The, the entire thing he's mad about is that the school district didn't do enough virtue signaling about it. Yeah. Uh, so they have to be bullied into it despite no proof whatsoever that this even happened and the here's story, a twist the kid was on a bunch of fentanyl the, yeah meth. he had just finished <laughs> trying to buy a banana with uh with a uh counterfeit 20 dollar bill oh i forgot that actually <laughs> it's true i'm not even being racist go look at the picture of george floyd holding up the banana that he was trying to purchase that's that's a real part of the story <laughs> remember when they the guy put the banana in the the bench of George Floyd and people called right. that racist. No, that was an accurate recreation historically of what happened. <laughs> anyway, late Friday, Portland school superintendent Guadalupe Guerrero and all eight school board members sent a message to wholeheartedly apologize for the racist attack and for not alerting the, the entire school district. I've never seen this picture before. Oh, you just saw it for the first time. I have to. He's just laughing, and he, he has a banana. Do I have to find the image just to make sure that people who may not have seen this? Yeah, here's he here's uh fucked up. Here's a let me let me pull this up. Uh, yeah, here he is, like proudly displaying the banana that he is about to purchase. That oh, was a. Here's George Floyd literally holding a banana. March. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this I thought it was right after the incident. No, this was about a year later. Never mind. But yeah, that's the photo. It's on the store surveillance. Anyway, yeah. So, the, so they apologized for uh, this event that uh, has no evidence that it even happened, and um, the virtue signaling has has been done. I mean, um, what does this guy want his kid to go to some like ghetto black school because he thinks that that uh, it's going to be safer there? It's going to be more inclusive. Like, why does your kid go to the school? I don't know. I guess he, yeah, he said this place is white. That's why they're trying to, to sweep it under the rug. Anyway. Um, Actual banana. I can't believe I'm surprised you forgot about that part of the story. No, I, do, I don't remember this at all. Yeah. I've never you even know, seen this picture. I, so I don't crazy. know that I can find it easily enough to delay the show for it, but you're familiar with like the Virgin versus Chad memes. Yeah. You know, the Chad cartoon guy with his weird <laughs> posture. 
uh-huh. someone made the Chad George Floyd holding the banana in that same pose. I've seen that. Yeah, that's that's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to another case of uh, stories that, uh, that didn't happen, things that didn't happen. Uh, David Hogg tweeted a great example. I just wanted to highlight on Friday. David Hogg tweeted, "Quote: I met a transgender sixth grader today. Whose, as in who is? Wrong form of uh, who's there? Harvard oh, buddy, boy, but, uh, Harvard boy. Anyway, he met a, a transgender sixth grader today whose family is considering applying for asylum in Canada because of the threats she's gotten." They already had to leave their home state of Texas. We can't call ourselves a free country until everyone can exist as themselves without fear. It sounds like a, a great reason to arm yourself there, David, if you're getting threats from from people and uh, and you'd like not to be afraid. But this is not a thing that happened. And if it did happen, I would like to know from David Hogg, in what context are you hanging out with transgender sixth graders? Please, sixth graders, yeah. please explain. Uh but but even the philosophy of it, there's no freedom until not one person has any fear. Sorry, such a world does not exist. And if you think you can use state force to eliminate fear, I, I'm I regret to inform you, you're going to have to uh, curtail a lot of freedom to eliminate fear. You're gonna the force is going to eliminate the freedom that you seek to achieve. If that is your premise, it's what not a retarded work. worldview. As long as one person's afraid, there is no freedom. So we'll have to use state coercion to eliminate fear. Okay. <laughs> Man, I forgot that I also wanted to talk about Chelsea Handler. Do you think we have time this for this? This was so or? depressing. Yeah, we might have to not read all the super chats. Well, oh, we will. Let's let's get through it, and I'll uh, I will determine what I'm able to. I'll, I'll get through the super chats either way. I don't want to. I don't want to leave people hanging that way. But I understand okay. if you have uh, obligations because this clearly went longer than I expected. But <laughs> real quick, um, normally this would be an entry that would qualify for surprise cringe, but it's so well discussed this week. I'm, I'm sure there's. There's no surprise about it, um, but we haven't been able to discuss it. And so I don't I don't want to pass on the opportunity. Recall the unfortunate pandemic of blonde's disease and the name often prompts confusion. This is not the disease that blonde has. This is the disease that blonde diagnoses. These are aging, single, childless women who go crazy trying to convince themselves and the world that being single and childless somehow brings them happiness. I would have this if I didn't have them all. Uh, yeah, yeah, you might be making a video just like this. In in one of the most delusional displays of Blonde's disease I've ever seen, 47-year-old single childless Chelsea Handler produced a video for The Daily Show called A Day in the Life of a Childless Woman, in which she tries to convince herself and you that her existence is so awesome. This is a day in the life of a childless woman. I wake up at 6 a.m. I remember that I have no kids to take to school, so I take an edible, masturbate, and go back to sleep. I wake up at 12.30 p.m. and get ready for a busy day of doing whatever the f*** I feel like. I put on my most impractical and stylish shoes since I won't be chasing a child around the grocery store. I go to my fave spot in Paris to grab a croissant. I do a meditation sesh on the plane since I have no screaming kids. Then I get ready for a night out with whatever hot guy I met on Raya that morning. I call up a babysitter and tell her that I don't need her since I still don't have kids. I invent a time machine, go back in time, and kill Hitler. Freeze, you bastard! It's amazing what you can do when you have this much free time. And that's a day in the life of a childless woman. Ugh, that's so sad. I feel bad for her. 
in her response and her explanation, she keeps referring to this as satire and a joke, but I'm not clear what the joke premise is. Is the joke that being single and childless at 47 is awesome? Because she seems fairly serious in that premise. Yeah. I don't understand. Why do people think that uh, having children like limits your freedom so much? Having children is freedom. Uh, in many ways, yeah. It, it, yeah. Building a family is building independence for yourself. It sounds like something of a paradox because, of course, the children are, at least for some duration of time, dependent on you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But your family is security <clears throat> from the uncertainty of the rest of society. That's the yes, point. and the irony of this is that she's enslaved by her vapid life, um, <laughs> by her empty life. It's just this was so sad. But she's had three abortions, so uh, fuck her. Is that true? Oh God, <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, her entire premise is ridiculous too, though. Even if you think that freedom is not having dependent children, they're not dependent forever. Like you're 47. You could easily have 20 year old kids by now. They would be off doing their own things. You could still wake up at six 30 and take an edible and do whatever weird stuff you want to do. If you wanted to, the the kids would not prevent that. And then like parenting, I have all these friends that are like, I don't, I don't know how to parent. I got to read all these books or whatever. 100% of parenting is just hanging out with your kid. Presence is the most important part. Yeah. Like right now, I've been thinking like 20 minutes, like I miss Emmeline. (laughs) Hang out with Emmeline. She gets home. Soon enough, if I hurry the hell up here. Um, I And I don't, is is she joking when she says that she fucks randos at 47? Or is that serious? And if that's serious, serious. do you expect that to be fulfilling in 10 years time, 20 years time? First of all, I demand to know who these hot guys you're picking up on this app, Raya, actually. Who are they? I don't even know what that is. I looked it up. Raya is basically uh, like a Tinder style app or a dating or socializing app for For olds, for elites. No, it's not for olds. It's for like celebrities, high profile people. And that's where she's picking up these hot guys, apparently. Anyway, um, many ripped Handler for making a lot of the points that we just discussed. They included Tucker Carlson, Ben Shapiro and others. And that prompted Handler to respond. And dare I say, um, did she kind of get Ben at least a little bit with this? Why would I even need my own children when I get to hear these crybabies all the time? I mean, I can't believe that bearded version of Tucker Carlson thinks I would take a half a bottle of Xanax I take way more than that, you silly goose. Look, I don't want to debate whether or not I'm a girl boss, although I did just look at my bank account and think that's pretty girl boss. Oh, and quick shout out to Ben Shapiro. Thank you for helping my cause of not having children. Who needs the birth control pill when your voice is 100% effective? I don't need a husband, Ben, because I'm in a relationship with myself. And at least in my relationship, someone can get a woman to come. (laughs) (laughs) I have never seen a lease, a less appealing own, but it was also the funniest part of her bit. So I'm yeah, conflicted. Uh, Not I that any of it's praiseworthy, but anyway, this shout your abortion stuff like in this kind of satire, nobody would be doing stuff like this if they actually believed in, in the value of the choices they've made. And, you know, my heart does kind of break for people that in old age can't reconcile with what they've done. So they have to double down. Yeah. And that, that's my, my sincere problem with all of this in, in her response there. She said, well, uh, you guys just can't be comfortable with my lifestyle choices. You're just misogynistic men who have to control women. 
the problem is none of this bit is strictly about Chelsea Handler's choices. It's about her decision to promote this lifestyle to younger women and right. deceive them out of the greatest joy and purpose they will ever know as women. The, the evil yeah. here is not yeah. um, is not how Chelsea lives her life, although I, I do think it's it's a shame like you're talking about. It's the propaganda, though. Yeah, it's trying to convince the next generation to sacrifice the most incredible part of womanhood like she has under the false premise that it leads to happiness, which for the vast majority of people, it doesn't. It's like, Chelsea, even if even if you're being sincere and you're correct that you are fulfilled, happy, you have no regrets about the decisions that you've made. I have some doubts about that, but let's accept that. Ninety nine point nine plus percent of women They're not going to find happiness, fulfillment, purpose in becoming a career comedian or any other career or a careerist at all. Yeah. But if in 10 years time, you know, she she comes out and she's like, listen, I've made a horrible, horrible mistake and I've misled women. I'll be the first to be like, this is brave. Like what women need to be doing that have made these mistakes in life is not that the true evil is leading other people astray. Yeah, that's the biggest problem with this. the overwhelming majority of women are going to find those things, happiness, fulfillment, purpose, and being a wife and a mother. I agree that, that as a general rule, your decisions in your life and how to conduct it are your business, but could we at least agree that some choices are better than others? And for the vast majority of women becoming a wife and mother is the best decision they will ever make. And we ought to promote that. No, we can't. It's, it's edibles and, early morning masturbation that's and she's living like she's 20 but she's she's got to be 60 right 47 yeah are you serious yeah god she looks like shit (laughs) okay that's all the chelsea handler stuff we're already past the top of the hour but we still haven't done the movie review so hey we'll just drag along in a world of movie references flying over his head one man We'll finally watch them. This is the Matt and Blonde Show Movie Review. Tonight's movie is the 2003 Tom Cruise action epic The Last Samurai, in which a war-weary soldier traumatized from killing so many Indians is hired to kill the Japanese-Indian equivalent, but joins their side instead in what is basically Oriental Dances with Wolves. From movie picker Swiftner, Tom Cruise spent almost two years in preparation for this movie, including swordplay instruction and Japanese language lessons. Yeah, he he did. He narrowly escaped uh, potentially fatal injuries after a sword was swung within one inch of his neck while filming. He and his co-star Hiroyuki Sanada were acting at a sword fight scene when the incident happened. Sanada swung a sword at Cruise, who was on an off-camera mechanical horse at the time, but the machine reportedly malfunctioned and failed to dock at the right moment. Sonata stopped the blade just one inch from Tom Cruise's neck. I looked looked this up out of my own curiosity. As far as I can tell, fact check true. That did happen. Tom Cruise was almost decapitated in the making of this movie. Almost became the, uh, that Japanese guy almost became the Alec Baldwin of the samurai world. So glad I'm not Alec Baldwin. (laughs) All right. As always your review and your rating. All right. uh, This was a perfectly, okay movie i don't know how many times i have to say this but it was too fucking long it was two and a half hours long um but i appreciated some of the philosophy and fighting for return to the traditions of one's ancestors and stuff but the irony of that is that only a westerner was able to show that pussy emperor the true value of 
traditionalism, which sort of negates the whole ancestral power, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Tom Cruise, I find something so unpalatable and unlikable about him. He never has sexual chemistry with um, the leading lady, probably because he's a homosexual. Um, that was the other thing. Like, why was this kid and his mom totally cool with the dude that killed their father and husband like what weird samurai tradition is that where it's like you killed my husband i'm gonna bang you although i don't know if that actually happened but i assume it did eventually um all in all this was solidly mediocre slightly above mediocre because i love japanese culture three out of five we are on an almost identical wavelength ha ha so uh, the the themes the things I liked about this movie are broad level like you're talking about. There's this theme that 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 discipline with even primitive methods or or tools is better than lazy reliance on technology, which is something I I generally believe to be true. Like sure, the gun is the great equalizer, but if you have pure incompetence with a gun, there are still many ways to overcome that. And you with every piece of technology that you gain, if you neglect your understanding and proficiency of the basics because you now have this technology when that technology fails you're going to be you're going to learn that lesson the hard way and there's yes. a lot of that philosophy that i can appreciate um broad themes of technology kind of outpacing its utility and becoming destructive for that reason that because you've forgotten a base level way of life you have gone astray and you might have all these cool gadgets and tools but you don't really understand basic functions of living and that's a problem um, yeah. thought the action was good. Occasionally ridiculous. I know that action movies are always going to require you to suspend disbelief a little bit, but the only point I thought was action wise was outright preposterous was the assassins sent after Algren, Tom Cruise's character. Uh, yeah. it was, it was four guys on one. They had swords. He had nothing. Okay. <laughs> it was hard for me to believe that, but that's what an action movie is. I guess the worst, uh, the things I didn't like you, it is a little long. Uh, there's these themes of, you know, people committing seppuku or however you pronounce it. They're ritual suicide. And by the end, I'm thinking, no, seriously, please kill yourself. Hurry up. Yeah, really. I've had it. I, there was <laughs> like a, yeah. there was a final battle prelude. Then there was a final battle. Then there was like a final battle encore. Just please get it over with. I'm not going to, uh, I know I'm going to enrage people with this point that's pedantic. So I'm not going to go through paragraph by paragraph, but I, this little bighorn timeline just historically doesn't make sense and doesn't add up. It's it's sort of unclear as to whether he claims to have been at the, the battle of the little bighorn or whether he was just under Custer's command prior. Mm. But either way, first of all, there were no there were no survivors of the battle of the little bighorn. So like, how the hell did he get out of there if he was there? Right. But the battle of the little bighorn was June 25th, 1876. He's already on a ship to Japan in the middle of the ocean, according to this timeline on July 12th, 1876. Even if he wasn't at the Battle of the Little Bighorn, how did he have all this knowledge of it in early July when he's talking in San Francisco? Newspaper records of it at the time. There wasn't even news of it nationally in the New York Times or other papers until July 6th. He had all this uh. knowledge. It's just the timeline does not add up. I know that doesn't really matter, but... I like I like Montana history and it bastardized Montana history. So I I have to knock it for that. <laughs> now I, I touched on the exact same point. Um it's it just seems weird that 
not only that the 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 widow of the man he killed seems to fall in love with him, but that the son has no urge for vengeance again against him. That right, seems... and I know it's like a spoils of war thing, but they were too enthusiastic. It was weird, and then you there was like one scene where she was like, "Oh, he's dragging mud through my house. Get him out of here." That was he, it. Yeah, she went from like, "Please allow me to kill myself. I can't stand being in his presence." To okay, he's kind of hot. Yeah. All right. And the dress up sex scene, you know, it wasn't a sex scene per se. And I get it's, it's trying to be it's trying to be artsy because it's like reversing undressing. Oh, isn't it hot that she's dressing him up instead of undressing him? No, it's not hot. It's a Tom Cruise sex scene. I share your perception on that. It's just weird. And then I, there were a couple instances I thought that were just ridiculously terrible, supposedly philosophical writing when they're planning the final battle. Um Katsumoto asks Algren, do you believe a man can change his destiny? And Algren thinks about it, Tom Cruise's character. And then he says, I think a man does what he can until his destiny is revealed. And then what does Katsum- that even mean? Yeah, Katsumoto like, act, acts like his <clears throat> mind is blown with the wisdom. That is a oh. nonsensical quote. It's like, <laughs> do you believe our destiny is, or do you believe, the way I rewrote it in the review was, do you believe destiny is under our control, thus making it not destiny by definition? And the response is, <laughs> I believe a man has some influence until that influence is relinquished because it wasn't actually influence at all. The outcome was predetermined. Have you, so if you read that and you think it makes no sense, that's not my fault. That's the writers of this movie. And then the, the ending had another cringe, meaningless quote. The emperor said, uh, how did he die? Tell me how he died about Katsumoto. And Algren responds, I will tell you how he lived it's like yeah but we all know how he lived he was a samurai like um, did he get shot or stabbed or like what the hell happened to him we want to know how he died it's not it's not deep it's just stupid i i don't know some of the writing just pissed me off so i i came out exactly where you did i gave it a three out of five uh wiki Okay. i'll allow it emphasis on wikis here to stay but yeah you come for the sword fights and you leave for everything else it's perfectly watchable i would never rewatch this movie or at least not anytime soon what is with these movies the last few weeks? I'm, like, I'm just tired of watching mediocre movies. Well, I think there's some good not uh, good choices in the new list for March. Not to take shots at Swiftner. I think we had. Uh, I gave. I gave. Swiftner, least, you suck. I gave at least a couple fours out of this. I think. Uh, so Swiftner is is finished up. Well, he's not because we have one more to watch from him. He has uh, Enemy of the State is the last oh, movie fine. for February, which I have not seen. Whatever. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And thank you, Swiftner. We do have a new round of nominations from listener Jacob, and some of these might enthuse you. Tell me if so. New nominees that you can vote on. Blazing Saddles. Okay. All right. Yeah. The Shawshank Redemption. Whatever. Fine. Major Pain. Rush Hour. Oh, come on. Memento. The Majestic. The Count of Monte Cristo. I haven't seen that. Ex Machina. I have if seen I'm, that and it's mediocre. Yeah. If I'm pronouncing that correctly. Or of course wow, you can. What a pile of mediocre films. Well, there's racism in Blazing Saddles. <laughs> you should get enthused about that. Yeah. I hope everybody votes for Blazing Saddles. Put our thumbs on the on the scale. We're going to fortify this vote. Oh, um, we will. So uh, you can also reject the list and vote for a top rated movie instead, of course. And as a reminder, if you'd like to read my movie reviews, comment how wrong I am, submit your own rating, vote for the next movie. And sign up for the chance to be the movie nominator for the month. The one and only place to do it is in my weekly movie review column. 
linked in the description and on the homepage of the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com. That will conclude the content of tonight's show. We got to get to chats and I appreciate your patience, everybody, because we are, of course, uh, way behind schedule on that. So, so over, behind on, um, over on Rumble. Uh, and we might have to rush a little bit tonight, so I, I apologize for that. But thank you guys, as always, of course. Over on Rumble, Second Amendment or Die says, um, speaking of women conducting a train, that police officer here in Tennessee, but um, tss, uh, are you asking for a rim shot? Is that, um, who's that, the Megan Hall girl, the girl who banged the uh, the entire uh, police force? I think I that's know. who he's referencing. Um, anyway, there's your honorary rim shot. He also says, uh, when I was in college, everyone around me was safer for having me around. A madman can walk into a classroom with a firearm in his backpack, but a sane one can too. Yeah, they're tools. Exactly. Uh, Lazar 47 or Laser says, Matt and I once had a sword fight. Well, now you've really invited uh, invited a new variant of the, uh, of the meme. All right. Uh, last I left off on the other chats was, um, let's see. Oh, it was, let's see. It was homeschooling. So Thunderstorm, I think, was next. Thank you. And then Logan Orr, but watch out for Logan. Ever since I got COVID over a year ago. Okay. I haven't been able to smell much of anything. Luckily, after recovering from my current nasty cold, my smell has come back. It makes smelling lies of a certain demographic easy. Oh, wow. You have enhanced scent, you say. That's that's Enhanced scent. Robin D. Bang. Sorry I'm late with the family at the moment, so I guess I can't make crude jokes about how Matt and I did it this past week. We really didn't. I'm sorry to let you down, guys. May have to watch tomorrow. I can't believe it. Do you have a penis? Um, Mike DeWine shitting and grin. I was thinking about this guy while I was reading all these stories about Mike DeWine this week. Uh, I'm at my wits end. Mike DeWine lied about aid being offered, saying he wasn't going to take Biden up on it at the time. When it was flat out denied, I have no idea what benefit he thought he was going to get from it. I want him swinging from an overpass. I don't know. I think that he probably just doesn't care about the demographic of the people to which this happened. You know, um, speaking of useful overpass purposes, when I was going to the airport yesterday, I saw a giant sign uh, on the uh, freeway from San Francisco to the airport that said the WEF is evil. I thought, wow. Whoa. Maybe this place point. isn't totally lost. That's interesting. World Economic um, Forum they were talking about, of course. I'm glad to hear it. JRC1, a blessed evening to you both. Blonde, I sent a Super Chat Sunday inquiring about those Jesus commercials during the Super Bowl. Matt offered his perspective, but you hadn't seen them yet. I still have not seen them. Mm. I haven't seen them. They're called He Gets Us if you want to look them up later. I bought PN. I'm late to the chat at Robin D. Banks. Go soft on her her Matt and her making love post. What is this world coming to? I know. Robin D. Banks is um, trying to reform her slutty self that's really what's going on thank you i bought over a billion two hundred a trillion two hundred billion dollars <laughs> what a disaster boogeyman 917 i doubt it thank you phil 100 percent of the people screaming about having an open conversation about guns ignore 13 to 50 they can only obfuscate for so long that their multiracial utopia isn't coming to pass and that instead the behavior of their pets makes us want more guns it was really interesting watching um that chick do all that mental gymnastics about why these gun crimes are being committed. Yeah. Um, Racism. It's always, it's been racism forever and always. If we just stop that, it'll go away. Logan or by the way, thanks for not letting, not getting Sydney Watson levels of butthurt over me, throwing money at your show in the form of small hat, super chats. I'll say that. (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> he didn't say anything uh, derogatory. I guess. It was, yeah, it was polite. Uh, well, th- thank you for putting up with our um, occasional modification of the chats uh, no. to appease, I guess, Lord Neil now. Yeah, Frankly, really. I'm surprised Lord Neil allows your chats because they are coming through YouTube. So congratulations on getting around the YouTube censors, actually. You know what? YouTube needs a based Chinaman in charge. <laughs> totally. Where do we get one Wicked. of those? I know, right? Uh, I don't know. There are a billion of them, so I think it'd be Just pretty easy. Wicked Massel. Um, it's silly to guilt by associate Ron DeSantis after Donald Trump rightfully dismissed attacks over racist people endorsing him. I'm not saying don't ask questions, but don't assume he's a secret rhino because of some mega donors dislike Trump's mouth. I don't know if you're referring to me. The thing about Ron DeSantis is that I don't care about any of this. I don't have a particular distaste for Ron DeSantis. I just think that this whole thing is a fucking joke. Yeah, I, I, um, I, of course, I've said prior, I think that some of his support gives me a little bit of concern because he has the support of a lot of people I find to be, uh, oh, so this was you untrustworthy. I wouldn't say that that would make me go as far as far as to say that Ron DeSantis himself is guilty. I, I'm, I'm more than willing to give him a fair chance, and I don't have a lot of problems based on what I understand of how he's governed Florida. I don't think he'd be a crappy president necessarily. Uh, he'd probably have a an opportunity to earn my support. I don't really have any formal support for anybody at this particular point. Um, but uh, yeah, I... I I, I, I'm not guilting him. That, I guess that's all I would, would want to say. It's it's not his fault necessarily. He's he's not Trump. And there are a lot of not Trump people who just go to him by default. Uh, yeah. That said, my expectation will be that he does not indulge in some of the excesses of these people, that he's his own guy with his own set of principles that he sticks to. And provided he does that, then, yeah, he has an opportunity to, to earn my support. I, I won't um, punish him by default, to, to your point. Okay. Citizen 7, FEMA initially denied Ohio disaster relief. Then just hours after Trump announced he was going up there, FEMA reversed course. Funny how that works. Yeah, but they didn't actually reverse course. They're not actually doing anything. They weren't like, we're going to give them a billion dollars or something. They're like, we're going to send three guys out and uh, everyone's going to chill. I I wouldn't doubt to the point, though, that it's possible that Trump had some influence on that. Probably, yeah. Uh, that uh, the more attention you bring to this, the more the, uh, the 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 screams to do something have to be appeased. And I don't mean to dismiss them. Clearly, there's a lot of things to do with this particular disaster. Um, right. But I, I, to the point that like maybe Trump had something to do with getting people in line, that could be true. I, I just, you know, to your point, it's like until I see major changes in how this whole thing is operating and massive convincing cleanup, um, I, I'm not optimistic that FEMA's presence is all that helpful anyway. Me neither. Um, do you want to read through these? David C. says, uh, have you all heard uh, anyone uh, talk about where these chemicals came from and where they were going? We've heard what they're used for, but not uh, who they belong to. Seems fishy. Love you guys. I haven't, but then again, the, the use of they're this. They're always transporting. The vinyl chloride is like a, an extremely common chemical. I think it's made for PVC piping. Yeah, as far as I understand, it's like a huge amount of plastics this is a piece of or a component of so i'm not it's not that there couldn't be something interesting there it's just this is not necessarily like an uncommon weird product to be transported or something like that Uh, but if you learn more about that david definitely send it our way Uh, and thank you joshua ulrich says appealed my twitter suspension yesterday with a please and i'm sorry and got denied 
appealed again saying you should see all the anti-lgbt anti-woke tweets on my alt account hope elon fires the lot of you account got restored so you were meaner and then they allowed interesting so maybe my apology had nothing to do with it you know i also got to drive right by twitter hq yesterday incidentally on the way to the airport really it's like wow son of a bitch here i am but i had to get to the airport didn't really have time but i was that where that that hilarious shooting was (laughs) what was the hilarious shooting Remember the um, hold my vegan kebab no. oh, yeah. chick? Yeah, that was YouTube. That was not Twitter. Oh, right. Yeah, You're right. The YouTube that shooter. That was the funniest shooting. Come on. Well, she missed. No, she did hit some people. She didn't kill anyone other than herself. And then she killed herself by shooting herself in the stomach. <sighs> that's that's rough. That was rough. Uh, Long Dong John said, Matt and I once made love on a railway track in Ohio. Then the train came around the corner saw us braked too hard and flew off the tracks and went up in flames. I'm sorry. We didn't mean to. Well, thank you. Uh, Max. <laughs> Max says, I like the uh, thing O'Keefe used the, uh, or, sorry, let me start over. I like to think O'Keefe used the Floyd method of obtaining that pregnant woman's sandwich. This uh, James O'Keefe about how he abused <laughs> that pregnant woman. Did he point a gun at her stomach and say, give me that sandwich, bitch? Maybe. Wow. Based, based James. Based. Nicholas H. Uh, this is another name for an EBT card. What's the reference there? Did I miss it? I know what uh, an EBT card is. Electro- uh, electronic benefits, food stamps type stuff. Are we retarded? What did I miss, though? I don't know. Oh, wait. Know. Well, they, did they combine for a joke here? Because Phil said about the same time or a minute <sighs> after, what is this? Is this edgy super chat Jeopardy? Here's okay, Alex Trebek. Here's Alex Trebek of this game. Another name for an EBT card. Uh, ding, Phil. Yes, Phil. What is African American Express? Ah, I see. Wow, that's that was good. That's uh, next level. Ugh. I disavow, of course. I disavow the entire thing. Oh, that's pretty funny. Uh, like Beast Kion. Uh, no, no. Sorry for any mispronunciation. Daniel Yeager uh, was Fifty Shades of Grey a psyop to prime the American culture to be accepting of kink culture so the alphabet mafia could shoehorn in their agenda? Maybe it was. Maybe. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Metal Rules uh, V or 5, another informative discussion with U.S. flags. Well, thank you. I'm glad you found uh, value in the stream. Thanks for tuning in. Laurel says on Tim Pool the other day, Ann Coulter said there would be no civil war because people on the right are cowards. And will never fight for what they believe in. Thoughts. Um, Maybe. She might be right about that. Can't say that that I believe that to be completely false. As in, I do believe courage is is lacking somewhat. And I I don't exclude myself from any of that. Yeah. I, I think that justification for the defense of our rights has been present for some time. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm talking on the Internet about it, which I like to think has value. But it you could make the credible argument that the time for talking has passed and it is not necessarily productive Yeah. in a, in a fan fiction that I'm working on. Susan has or Neil, you know, has nothing to do with. Anything in reality, anyway, um, I guess what the only point I would push back on and maybe she got into this, I didn't hear the conversation. So uh, but at some point, those sorts of actions become they're not they're not choices anymore they are necessities when yeah when you're talking about all of this this stuff has come to your neighborhood to your family to take your family to take your property 
to actually put you on the trains. There are certain situations that confront you that you have very little choice in. I guess you do have the choice to get on the train or not, but I would like to think that most people would resist beforehand. Then again, I (sighs) thought people would resist beforehand many steps prior to where we are now. So did I. So maybe Anne is correct. Oh, can you keep reading these? I'm like... Laurel also says Susan Wiki Wiki was the daughter of the math department head at Stanford, which is how Sergey and Larry learned she was renting her garage. Ah. Through her, Sergey met his sister Anne, or her sister Anne, whom he married and had kids. I see. So there's the connection. They owed her. Susan Wiki Wiki is the daughter of talent. That's how she has arrived. Anyway. Uh, Thank you for the clarification, Laurel. Danny from Montana says, the more I live with the hustle and bustle of the big city, the more it affirms that immigration was a huge mistake for America. (laughs) I I almost get into a car accident every time I drive. (laughs) What? I I can't say the C word, but I think I'm allowed to say bipties, which was the uh, (laughs) anti-Indian slur that we discovered for $1.50 $1 for when you go to 7-Eleven. They can't drive for shit. I'm sorry to hear that. Phil says, wiki wiki, uh, wiki wikis are worse than bipties, but not by much. (laughs) Bipties at least aren't the eternal victim. However, their desire for the looting of white society is on par with the wiki wikis. Ann Coulter is right. They they have to go back too. Thank you. Interesting. Yeah, I'm with Phil on this one. Kevin S says, uh, what's up, Matt? Or should I say skag three been watching for years, but I'm having a, I'm having a whiskey and I felt the urge to comment. Hope you all keep fighting the good fight. These live streams keep me going on Sundays. Well, thank you for sticking Aww, around for you. as long as you have. And I hope the whiskey is good. Uh, appreciate it, man. Nathan E says, I went to church for the first time 15 years ago today. Matt, listening to you talk about your journey was part, uh, partially what inspired me to return. God bless you both. Keep up the good work. Uh, you help more than you can know. Well, I'm glad to hear that's that. That's awesome. Uh, so complimentary. Uh, uh, and thank you for letting me know that. That's uh, that's that's really important, and I'm very glad to hear it. And that's a good opportunity for uh, for me to remind people if you're interested in participating in the Bible study. We have two weeks left to finish up John's Gospel before we're taking a lengthy break until probably the summer. So if you'd like to join in on the conclusion of John's Gospel in our hourly our, our our hour-long weekly Bible study on Saturday nights. Check out the Bible study page linked on the uh, homepage of the website. You're welcome to join. It's at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern on Saturday nights for the next two. Plum Logan says, We need maximum judgment against ruling elites. The distinction between malevolence and incompetence will not restore the future robbed from our children. Strange fruit impacts power. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of um, just following orders types. And I, I do generally agree that the the order givers have a, a higher degree of responsibility than the just following orders types. But at yeah. some point, there is there is moral culpability for following orders, you know, to be false, morally bankrupt, of course, abusive, of all of those things. Yeah. Yep. Some rando says, I work for a major railroad. The derailment statistics are misleading. Low speed derailments happen in train yards all the time and they aren't a big Huzzah! deal. So, so maybe that's uh. part of it. Higher speed main track derailments are dangerous and rare. Thank you for clarifying, because obviously I don't know very much about about trains in general. I guess don't. Uh, the only reason I laugh is because that's going to turn into a sounder. But I don't know very much about trains <laughs> at all. That's not a that's not funny. 
Um, so <laughs> thank you. If, if you have good information on that, uh, some rando, send it my way and I, I'd like to read it because I want to understand what quote unquote normal in the context of derailments actually is. Yeah. Robin D. Banks says, actually, this is Susan. I took over her account to expose your fake news. According to my experts, using your lingo, it's okay to hula hoax nine gorillas worth of 14, 18 vids. <laughs> See how hip and with it I am. <laughs> Susan gets it. She gets us. Thunderstorm says, if you want to improve your health, uh, try time restricted eating, intermittent fasting, never give up. Well, of all the aspects of like of health discipline that I find the most difficult, it is disciplined eating. Oh, me too. I work out so much. And I'm fine with that, but it's the diet thing. I just want carbs. And all in particular, the time. it's the night eating for me. Oh, me too, man. Second dinner right before bed. Mm, Excellent. Yeah. The bowl of cereal before bed. Oh, I mean like three course meal. You know, I, I mean like whole frozen pizza. Maybe not oh, that wow. extreme, but you know, every once in a while. And I, but it's true that when I cut How back, how are on you the, not fat? Um, because I don't do that commonly and because I try to stay active, but, uh, I'm not try to, I do stay active, but, um, but cut it. I, I am able to maintain a better form of myself when I have the discipline to resist nighttime eating urges. Learn from the samurai. Yeah. Phil says we are eroding or sorry, we are going to lose this country because even the right can't think of anything other than it's, it's Dick and it's Sorry. Can't think of anything other than its dick and its stomach, yellow fever and my spicy food shaking my head. See, he's taking shots at you for liking the sushi. Hey, I said I don't like it enough that they should be in this country. What else do you want from me? If they're already here, though, what am I going to do? I'm going to eat their delicious, delicious food. Yeah. And in terms of immigrants, Japanese have got to be like the best immigrants. Mark counter says, Matt, if you were part of a homeschool parent group, what specifically would ping to and you teach the kids? I don't know that I would be a teacher. My wife possibly might. You could be uh, a good history teacher, political science. Maybe, but I also have you know a job that I need to tend to. So, but who knows? Maybe Neil will fire me by then so I can become a full-time homeschool teacher. Uh, I can I'm teach racism 101. I, I and think basic math. Yeah. <laughs> I think obviously it gets harder. The older the kids get like, I, yeah. I or my wife, I'd be comfortable teaching my son, you know, uh, elementary school, middle school type concepts of any sort. When you get into more advanced, uh, in more advanced math, more advanced things beyond that, high school geometry, I'm like not going to be. We might get in trouble there, but we have like 15 years to figure it out. You're not going to get better at math as you get older. Well, I, I just got to stay one lesson ahead of the kid. I can do that. <laughs> Beatty Beatty says, thanks so much for the sanity safe space. Thank you for tuning in and supporting esoterica unbound says why all the whining about the economy. There are now 22 million millionaires in the U S that's over 6% of the population. Think of all the folks now blessed with the mandatory minimum federal income tax. Well, congratulations to them. I, uh, I hope they're enjoying their newfound privileges. And of course, uh, when everyone's a millionaire and it costs $500,000 to buy a loaf of bread, we might not, aspire to be millionaires so much anymore being a millionaire doesn't mean fuck all anymore it's not necessarily an elite club yeah does it doesn't everybody that like owns a house and you know has like a a pretty good job have a million dollars uh depends where you live depends what house but certainly a million dollar home is not what it used to be in many markets that certainly is true 
Let's see. Uh, Taylor Stanley says, I told my wife you are the the big Benus prophet. What? <laughs> As in B-E-A-N-U-S. Big Benus prophet. She has no clue what I'm talking about, but our lives revolve around you now. Big Benus, big Benus. Thank you, big Benus, for making our lives complete. Uh, I'm so glad I didn't have to read that. I have no idea what that even means. Are you gay? Uh, <laughs> hi, Truth Seekers. Uh, Holden Mulray says, hi, Truth Seekers. Two based benefits of remote work. One, it enables exodus from woke cities. And two, it exposes hypocrisy of ESG. Isn't commute reduction um, the greatest thing tech companies can do? I suppose it, it can have benefits provided the workforce is actually disciplined. But as someone who worked from home before all of this went insane, and I mean in my prior job up until 2016. Yeah. I'm... I, I genuinely did my best to remain disciplined and I think I did a pretty good job. Oh, I did. Did I, job. did I, was I as disciplined as a work from home person as I was in the office? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I did all sorts of stuff I wasn't supposed to do. It's like, as long as I can return to my desk quickly, I could be like anywhere. I could be grocery shopping or doing yep. whatever the hell I want. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, in theory, there are benefits to be realized, but in practice, I think it ends up probably creating productivity waste, even though you spend less time in the commute. I have to refresh yeah. if you're ready to go. Oh, I'm not. Uh, who was the last person? Sorry. Oh, actually, we're right about caught up. Esoterica Unbound says, uh, talked with Boomer friends about the epidemic of childlessness among millennials and Zoomers. Uh, they trotted out the old cliche, better to be childless than a bad parent, but... Uh, but didn't talk about their own grandkids. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to, I think you had to cut down on the length here. So I'm trying to interpret some of the abbreviations. Uh, better to be childless than to be a bad parent. Well, you could also become a good parent if you're a parent. I don't know. It's, it, yeah. that's not necessarily an either or. I, I, I get it. I understand that for a select few people, parenthood is not for them and they genuinely would be less happy uh, or, you know, less well suited in their lives. If they had kids, it's not yes. zero. It's not nobody, but it is again, it's like abortion or any other issue where we start talking about these edge cases as though they represent the vast majority. If we could just get to a place where we stop lying to everybody and telling them that parenthood is some life ending boogeyman when in fact yeah, it's among, it's not, if not the single greatest thing you can do as part of the human experience, it's the circle of life, man. You got to, it's so awesome to watch the circle of life, to, to watch my grand, to watch my parents become grandparents and to, for them to watch me raise my son in the same way that they raised me and to be a part of that chain, a part of that circle of life. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It's a piece yeah. of life I never knew or understood until a couple of years ago. And I'm really yeah. glad that I did it. My only regret is that I didn't do it sooner, but sooner, yeah. I found the right person and I have the right kid and I, I have no regrets about my selection. Um, but I, I, I understand that as a time and a place for everything, maybe it's not for you at this very moment, but for people who are questioning whether they want to become parents like I did in maybe my early twenties, I do can it. tell you that it is a unique piece of life that I, I just generally think is a necessary piece of a complete human life well lived. You should aim for that. Yep. Even exactly. if you have to wait for a better time or the right person, just aim the trajectory that way and don't reject it outright because 
you have a limited, especially women. I know we're mostly male audience, but for women, you have a limited window to experience that key piece of a life well lived. So take advantage of it. Yeah. And the bigger risk is not having children. I would, I would be comfortable guessing that there are more regrets about not having kids than regrets about having about kids. About having kids. Yeah. Unless your kid turns into a complete psychopath. The only, one of the most tragic pieces of content I've ever listened to was Adam Lanza's dad doing an interview many years ago, talking about the fact that he regrets his own son's existence. And I understand why he would. Uh, his da- There's his no son, way they didn't fuck up along the way though. You know? They probably did. But I just think, man, for a father to regret the existence of his son, what a tragedy. What a bummer. Yeah. But that is that sort of thing, especially if you commit yourself to being a good parent and being present for that child, that such a thing is so, so, so rare. That's true. That's yeah. for every one of those, there are millions of other people whose sole joy in their lives is their children and watching them grow up. So Adeline's a psycho though. But, but yeah. the best kind, you know, it's, it's, it's purpose. It's fulfillment. It's, it, you have, it's our, our, our son, because we went to Pacific time, his clock didn't adjust from mountain time. So he's waking us up at 5 a.m. every morning, no adjustment at all. Yeah. And yeah, like th- that kind of sucks. It's annoying in the moment. But the whole point is I have a reason to get up, even if it is uncomfortably early. I yeah. have a reason to get up and a thing to do and a person for whom to provide. That's, that's all. That's great. That's purpose, responsibility, obligation. I would not take any more joy in che- being Chelsea Handler and sitting around watching. Oh, totally. Sleeping until and, 11 and turning on Netflix and wasting my day instead. And you're about to come up on like the most fun age. Yeah. Age two to four, I've heard is really awesome. But Emmeline is like, she's so fun and funny now. It's a whole different ballgame when they start talking because everything it, they say is hilarious. It's so cool to re-experience things in life that you take for granted. Like we got to give him his first experience with ocean water. Yeah. And he loved it so much. We kind of had to hold him back because I didn't want him to get anything close to too deep because he yeah. can't swim. Obviously, he's one and a half. Oh. Or we took him to get uh, you know ice cream, chocolate shakes at the uh, Ghirardelli place in San Francisco. And he's never had a chocolate shake before. Oh, I bet he was so jazzed. He he knows how to use straws. So as soon as that hits his mouth, it's like the wide-eyed reaction. And then it's, give me that. And I'm just watching him gulp and chug a chocolate shake for the first time. It's like as a 35-year-old man, I understand that chocolate shakes are delicious. And I enjoy one from time to time. But there's something about the magic of watching a little boy experience that for the first time. It's like all these secrets of the world that you get the privilege of introducing to that little person. Well, my advice to you is to start lying now about what is and is not candy. So (laughs) what what does that mean? What do you mean by that? Emmeline thinks that all sorts of things are candy that are not candy, like dried fruit. Oh, you've conditioned her to believe like that's a treat is what you're saying. Yes. And so that's how I'm potty training her with like dried strips of cantaloupe. That's pretty disciplined if you've uh, figured that out. My God. She's eaten sweets before. Behave. She knows I'm full of shit. Behave so I'll give you dried cantaloupe. Even regular cantaloupe isn't good. But there's some sugar on it, though. Uh, well, that's very kind of you. I know. All right. So um, nice. We've spoken long enough. That's all I have for chats. <gasps> She's home. Yes. Oh, wow. Lucky you. I know. Um, anything else before we get out of here? No, thanks, guys. Thanks for putting up with my sniffles. I have a disgusting kid bug. I'm always sick. Don't have kids. I'm just joking. Have lots of kids. Be like Chelsea Handler. (laughs) 
Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for your chats. Thank you for your contributions to the show. Very much appreciated. If you're listening later on demand, thank you kindly as well for supporting the show. And if you're looking for more material to listen to, you can't get enough good news. There's more audio material on the audio platforms. You can check those out linked in the description or over on the podcast page of the website, mattchristensenmedia.com. We've got the call-in show replays. We've got some blondes interviews, extra stuff you might not find on YouTube. Speaking of, Anything else show-related, the website is where you find it, mattchristensenmedia.com. We will be back next Sunday and Wednesday. Don't forget the call-in show is back this week. Because if it's Sunday, sorry, Chuck Todd, it does not need the press. It is the Matt and Blonde Show. Have a great night. Bye, guys.